0: Hey, check it out. Let's all check it out. It's Babes in Toyland 1986 that I watched when I was a kid, and I remembered it being okay, and I was dead wrong. Hey, check it out.
1: Was it the fact that immediately after watching this, I texted you like, Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was during, but yes, that was a bad sign. It It was a real bad sign. Also, boy, okay, well, let's, first of all, this is the podcast, Hey, Check It Out, where. One every, rant, every interval of time, one of us chooses a film that we've seen that the other two haven't seen and force them to watch it to greater or lesser effect. I am Anna. With me here are my co-hosts,
1: Corey.
2: I don't know who's.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> as long as one of you jumps in.
2: Hi, I'm Josh. I'm the other one. <laughs> Anna was gesturing to me because we're doing this via video call, but that made no sense <laughs> was, to Corey. No, <laughs> yes, no, I was gesturing.
0: I was just gesturing that somebody needed to jump. Well, in. I'm over here. I mean, you are gesturing to me, but I don't only know where- on my screen. Listen, I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't know how I'm. Anna's over on- here.
2: Anna's yeah. here. Corey's.
1: Josh is nope. there. It's different for uh, all this- of us. Oh, uh, this so- is gr-
0: this is great audio. That's the Let- important so- thing and I, I i know that a lot of luminaries in the gaming industry listen to our podcast so i'm just going to throw this out there that somebody not me because i am incapable of doing it so here's a free great idea needs to make a pandemic uh appropriate video game where uh it's a puzzle game where you try to figure out for each person on a zoom call how the windows are oriented for them based on uh how they behave
1: it's like <laughs> guess who but oh. <laughs> For Zoom,
0: yeah, and you cannot, and you have like some items like a like like firecrackers or something, or I don't know, things you can do to make one particular person obvious so that you can see how people react to it anyway, you like know, fire run crack-
2: like firecrackers, for example, like firecrackers. Inside, I, don't, inside your fucking, home I don't know,
0: listen, here it's a dumb idea, make it a very ridiculous, but I still think it's fun.
2: You know who we should talk to about this? We should talk to the Toy Master.
0: Oh, god, no,
2: he's the
1: best, okay. the Toy Master. He's so loving. He does so much for everybody. And kind,
0: and the greatest. And a good singer. Even though he
1: allows evil to exist in the world.
0: He's so great. <laughs> he's slowly he's slowly turning it into juice. Uh, so, this this time this film is the 1986 made-for-TV version of Babes in Toyland, which is the third-ish film version of Babes in Toyland, which started in the 1910s as a musical by the same people who had done the original Wizard of Oz musical, which the film is not based on. Uh the film <laughs> Wizard of Oz is not based on, and then was adapted into a Laurel and Hardy movie, which used some of the songs and none of the plot. And then was later on adapted into a Disney movie, which used even fewer of the songs and less of the plot. And then into this TV movie, which used two of the songs and none of the plot. So there's that also. As it turns out, and I did not know this, um, the the version that we watched is the 95-minute version, which is a much shorter version than the version I watched on TV when it first aired it as a kid, which is two and a half hours, probably three plus with commercials. And I guess they cut a, like, a bunch of the songs, and uh, from what I could tell from my... this, If you want to watch the long version, it's on YouTube. None of us did. <laughs> no! No, I... What I did was I fast forwarded through it until I got to a place where I remembered there having been a song that wasn't in the version we watched to confirm that I wasn't misremembering and I hadn't been. There is definitely a song where Jack and Mary sing to each other through the prison bars for a while. In doing that, I noticed that they'd also cut out some connective world building tissue where they explain why it's always daylight in toyland because something to do with like daylight savings time um i didn't pay enough attention to remember the explanation anyway so it looks like that's what we're missing out on is that kind of thing
2: yeah this was one of those two-part miniseries uh star-studded uh oh, that, well, kids it probably wasn't two
0: parts wasn't it oh it,
2: it totally wasn't no they, it would no, have to have been they, they showed it yeah no they showed it all <laughs> All three hours in one Look, night, I don't know. Commercial television. No, and a lot of the same people behind the camera, I think uh, the songwriter, and I want to say mm-hmm. the screenwriter as well, uh, and I'll talk about them uh, in a minute because the opening credits of this made me go, oh, hey, I know that guy. I know that guy too. They had all worked on, uh, I think the previous year's Alice in Wonderland. Oh, which I also watched as a kid. And the only thing I remember about that is that Carol Channing plays the Red Queen and sings a dandy little song called Jam Tomorrow, Jam Yesterday, but never ever. Jam tomorrow, jam yesterday, but never ever jam today. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Sammy Davis Jr. is the Caterpillar. Amazing.
0: Pretty (laughs) fun. It's pretty fun. I feel like I probably saw that, too. This this is less fun. (laughs) (laughs) So this this nominal film stars uh Drew Barrymore, Keanu Reeves, uh Richard Mulligan who gosh, Richard Mulligan's a lot better than this, Pat Morita as the toy maker and uh some uh Googie Grace, some other people, I don't know. Uh
2: Googie Grace uh who I thought was John Panette or any other number of like guys in the 1980s whose entire job was just be like and I'm fat. And then everybody points at him and goes, ha, ha, fat. Uh, And that's literally all this guy gets to do through the whole movie. Uh, And then uh, the lead, Mary, is an actor by the name of Jill Sholin. I looked her up because her name sounded familiar. And she is, uh, the next time you're at a horror convention, go get an autograph from her. Because she is like Scream Queen royalty. She's been in uh, Cult Horror Movie Classics uh, such as Chiller, The Stepfather with Terry O'Quinn which is fucking oh, yeah. amazing, and a movie called
0: Popcorn that I have been meaning to see for a long I've seen time, Popcorn and I re- when it was newish and I recall it being good.
2: And I will say to this movie's credit that everybody for the most part is giving it the old college try. Mm-hmm. Uh, there aren't a lot of bad performances in this. Drew is a little compromised, but we'll get into this. Uh, this is when she was like, literally on the thin edge of rehab and stuff. And mm. there's a scene in act three that I had to like pause and just walk around the house because it- <laughs> But I know
0: which one. Yeah, we all, we'll get into it, but- uh, <laughs> It's probably the, probably the one that broke me.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, but uh, let me just, may I quickly just say some stuff about the uh, people who made the picture? Please, I have things to say about the music. Oh, great! Clive Donner directed, uh, and his big—he, uh, his one of his first gigs in the 1950s was editing the Alistair Sim Christmas Carol, and then in 1984 he went on to make my co-number one favorite version of a Christmas Carol, which is the CBS one with George C. Scott. The writer, Paul Zindel has a Pulitzer for playwriting. He wrote uh, The Effects of Gamma Rays on Man in the Moon Marigolds. Oh
0: yeah.
2: I feel like anyone who ever did a high school drama class did a monologue from it. And he is also a YA pioneer because he wrote a book a series called The Pig band which is considered yes. to be among the first kind of wave of YA books. Then the songs, and we will transition into uh, Corey uh, after this. Leslie Bercuse wrote this, and uh, Leslie Bercuse is a genius-level songwriter when they want to be. It uh, <laughs> wrote the theme to both Goldfinger and for uh, You Only Live Twice. What the hell? Bercuse worked with Anthony Newley, uh, who is one of those names kind of lost to time. David Bowie made his voice sound a lot like his when Bowie's was getting started. That's kind of the oh, only yeah. thing you need to know about uh, Anthony Newley. Uh, and then he also wrote uh, the music for my other favorite Christmas Carol adaptation, which is 1970s Scrooge starring Albert Finney. And the songs in that are pretty good too. These are not very good songs. Corey with a word about the music.
1: Yeah. So Leslie Burkus, who he'd actually passed recently in October.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. R.I.P.
1: Wrote many, many hit songs from things that I really love, like La Jazz Hot from Victor Victoria. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, Pure Imagination, specifically from Rolly Wonka. And I learned a lot about the song Feeling Good because I thought that was like a Nina Simone thing, but it turns out it's from a project that Leslie and Anthony worked yep, on Anthony together Milly. called The Roar of the Grease Paint, The Smell of the Crowd. of
2: the Crowd, yep. yeah. Yeah,
1: mm. which is... Does not sit right in my brain. Wonder why. And I'm just so angry that the music is.
2: The songs are bad. It stinks. My, My theory is, and I can't confirm this, but certainly it is not unheard of if you are a professional songwriter, lyricist, librettist, whatever, that after... You know, decades and decades of being in the industry, as uh, Mr. Percuse was, you just have a drawer. You just have a drawer or filing cabinet full of songs for projects that did not get used. And I feel real confident that most of the songs in this movie were not specifically written for this movie.
0: Mm. That seems reasonable since none, very few of them reference anything to do with the film in specifics. It was
1: definitely not written with the performers in mind.
0: No. Ooh, that's, we'll get, we'll, we'll get to that. Also, I learned that this was filmed in Munich. Yes. I have a theory that perhaps some of the some of the people in this movie just want to go to Munich.
1: Yeah. This movie had like a two-month turnaround from filming to Christmas. Yeah.
0: Oh
2: wow. I saw that it was filmed in Munich as well. And you would literally never know. And when that is the case, that makes me go, oh, this was for tax purposes. this was for, they got some kind of tax cut or it was just real cheap because it could have been shot anywhere. It looks like the city of Rockridge at the end of Blazing Saddles. It's just sort of like this very fake town built in the middle of a dusty expanse that, and it looks like it was done in 42 seconds. (laughs) true. One of the questions that I found myself asking myself throughout all of this is, why is this a bad movie? Because the actors are actually, everyone's pretty good. Clive Donner, the director, he absolutely knows what a good movie looks like. He literally just did A Christmas Carol the year before this, and A Christmas Carol is, for a made-for-TV uh, movie, fucking flawless. The songs are bad, but that's not enough to sink it. I truly believe that this is a movie ruined by cinematography and design. Mm. It's shot like an episode of Murder, She Wrote. It's that flat 1980s light where it's just like, make sure everyone's lit and we're done.
1: But there's a lot of, I think, like, technicolor influence on it. Like, things are deeply saturated Mm. in weird ways. And the, the, the
2: makeup for the costumes is aggressive. It's lit so badly that none of that... It doesn't feel like magic. It feels like you're just walking around a set.
0: Well... So I watched this with Jen, as I often do. And when we get to Toyland and we saw the, you know, scope of Toyland, shall we say, w- her question was, is this like, is this like one of those cheap theme parks? that I have that like, note. You- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this a cheap theme park somewhere that they just repurposed? It's completely possible. It looks like some kind of like Mother Goose Land that you find on a like an off road off the highway when you're between anywhere good. Uh, I don't know how it it shakes out in the Great White North, but I feel like every state in the
2: Union has one kiddo storybook playland that has no rides, no nothing, and it's just gingerbread houses and sad drama majors in shitty costumes. Ours are often uh, dinosaur themed. (laughs) I mean, that's more fun at least. Yeah, is it though? <laughs> I like dinosaurs more than I like mother goose shit, right?
0: Oh yeah, that's 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 valid.
1: There's a fantasy themed park in Oregon that I used to love to go to. Uh mostly because they had a slide that you would ride down on a potato sack.
0: Oh that's yeah, fun. those are fun.
1: Yeah. That's fun. That's that sounds fun. And a slide. It's great.
0: DC in like the Kelowna area used to have a flint uh very chintzy Flintstones themed theme park. that had like Flintstones mini golf and such. Well, the, and I'm sure the great thing about that fully licensed and with the permission of Hanna Barbera incorporated, I am sure that they, it may have been, it was like, it was okay. From my very dim recollection, it didn't seem off to me as a kid, but I don't even know in Connecticut. There wasn't anything like that, but there was
2: a theme park that was closed while I was a kid, but that didn't stop my friends from breaking in. Uh, And it was called, (laughs) it was called Holy land. And it was, it was a scale representation of Jerusalem during the time of Christ's birth. And uh, it just, you just, it it basically looked like a, uh, like a Jerusalem Bethlehem themed mini golf course. Amazing. I think we actually shot video with the world's biggest, oldest video camera of us like walking around and fucking off. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what Connecticut's got going for us. We got Jesus land. Nice.
0: Yeah, it's it's great. But let's get into this. Yeah, here's what Babe's in Toyland has going for it. It has it has some opening credits that look about as generic as the opening credits for a TV Christmas movie possibly could.
2: I will interject to say that I thought they were lovely. I thought they were the, they were, I, well, compared to the, how's this? Compared to the rest of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: like the Ken's burning on the still images of snowy streets and parked cars.
0: It's nice looking.
1: It's to establish that this is happening in America, not Munich.
0: It sets up some, some really medium expectations (laughs) that the film's not going to be able to live up to. At the very least, it looks thought out and designed. And it was like, and it made
2: me go, because it's just like, it's like pencil animation drawings of like windy snow over very saturated shots of the city. And it's like, oh, I'm ready for a Christmas movie, y'all. I mean, you know, I got my blanket. I got my cocoa. Yep. There are bells are ringing and stuff. And it's a little generic, but I was like, oh, this is, you know what I like? I like Christmas movies. This is going to be fun. Uh, don't get used to it, viewer, uh, if you
0: decide to undertake this. We start out we're at we're at home with Lisa and Mary a couple of sisters Mary's the older sister Lisa's the 11 year old younger sister who has um, the similar energy to the sister from peanut butter solution in that she is trying to be a, a lot older than she is, although not for any obvious reason anyway she wants a blender for Christmas. There's no dad on the scene. I did not even notice
2: that. No. <laughs> Maybe this is the kind of thing that was cut out because an entire hour was taken out of this. Right. Maybe that's the kind of thing that was cut out. But it's it's gently alluded to throughout the entire movie that Lisa, who is Drew Barrymore, is, is sort of in charge of her family. We see mm. a phone conversation between her and her mom, Eileen Brennan always welcome, who is like, I'm putting snow chains on the car and your little brother needs a food and I don't know when I'll
0: be
1: home. Hey, my 11-year-old daughter, are you okay cooking dinner while I'm out? And (laughs)
0: And she's like, yeah, I'll have dinner for ready for you. No problem. Drew Barrymore is
1: watching the news and reading a cookbook. Yeah.
2: And the news is like, hey, it's snowing and it's not going to stop. So definitely don't leave the house. Older sister Mary is leaving the house. She has to go work at what is basically it looks like the 99 cent store, but yes. she, before she leaves, she's like, all right, well have fun, small child. I'm leaving entirely by herself. Uh, <laughs> have fun making dinner for everybody. But by the way, I just want you to know, I got you a Christmas present. And Drew's like, what'd you get me a blender? And is like, no, you weirdo. I got you a sled. And Drew kind of makes this fake happy face, the kind of face that she makes throughout whether she's actually happy or not (laughs) and i want to take a step back and say i may occasionally be throwing a little shade at drew's performance i do not blame her for it she was going through a tough time and nobody received any direction i feel like she's doing the best she can under the circumstances she is absolutely doing the best she can under her circumstances the poor thing
0: and she was in i would call what i would call a fallow part of her career where she had like she was in et she did Firestarter, she did cat's eye she did a not like a drama that was not Stephen King related. And then for like the next, like, I don't know, 15 years, she ends up doing TV work. At this point, we are seeing the studio 54 drew. Like we are seeing the drew
2: Barrymore, whose mom uh, took her to clubs and shit like that. So again, Drew's kind of vitamin give a shit levels, wane and (laughs) wax during this. But like, again, it's, it ain't the kid's fault.
1: And it's important that, You know, she's disappointed that her sister is getting her a sled, a fun toy for children, unlike the thing she wants, an adult blender for raising her family.
2: (laughs) Yes. Uh, And this is a thing that is gently regarded throughout the entire movie until we realize it's the most important part of the movie, which is uh, the character of Lisa slash Drew Barrymore does not want to be referred to as a child. She's got
0: things to do with blenders and cookbooks. And she's worried about her sister. She's like, are you going to be warm enough? And her sister's wearing all the clothes that she owns and then a pink rain slicker over top because that's, I guess, how you deal with winter in Cincinnati.
1: Well, when the giant Canadian storm is coming, the monster. The Canadian
2: monster.
3: <laughs> That's yeah. right.
1: Drew's sister has left, so she's decided to stir a bowl of goop with a whisk <laughs> while she slowly. continues to
2: watch the news. Which means making dinner in this movie, yeah. where it's just like, it's <laughs> pancake batter, is what it looks like.
0: No, she's and making she's- meringues for dessert.
2: Oh, is that what she's doing?
0: I know.
2: That's the no. best I can oh, I thought you me. saw that in the
0: extended version. <laughs> yeah, oh, the extended, oh, the extended, oh, the extended it. cut has 15 minutes where you learn how to make meringues. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> that's I don't know why it is. Cut it.
2: It's an hour of recipes.
0: <laughs> you know the Star Wars ho- holiday special? <laughs> you know the cooking sequence? It's like that. Stir I mean. whip, whip, stir whip. <laughs> Poor Harvey. Oh. Uh, brief brief digression. Uh, Disney Plus put up the animated sequence from the ho- holiday special, and I'm amazed. I'm like, we're getting so much closer to the whole thing because they're like, okay, we put up the part people like. Are you satisfied yet? They did. Yeah the the story of the faithful Wookie.
1: Meanwhile, in Cincinnati, the <laughs> news broadcast is still just talking about the storm constantly. The Canadian monster. And the antenna on the roof goes down, cutting the signal to the TV. Oh no, my stories are done. And then Drew goes to phone her mom or her sister at work, and the telephone pole outside her place (laughs) gets knocked down.
0: So she does the only thing she can do, which is not stay home and wait for everybody to come home, but trek through the blizzard, what appears to be... Like from from what we can tell from all the driving that happens to get back, a very long way to the shitty ninety-nine cents store that Mary works at with babyface Keanu, aka Jack. And the establishing shot for that, and we see the outside where there's a group of little uh,
2: rugrats singing, may you have the happiest Christmas, a song that we will hear repurposed 17,000 times throughout <laughs> the movie. And then we are inside the five and dime. And the first thing we get a shot of is a sign that just says, plastics on sale. So crowded and busy. And I don't mean that it's full of
1: customers. I just mean that <laughs> no. there are
2: like hula hoops and teddy bears and signage that has been handmade. It's a giant junk store, and it made me feel very nostalgic for the giant junk stores of my youth.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. It was nice. It was nice to see. Nostalgia is weird. What's not nice is that Mary works for Mr. Barney, who is awful. He's gross. Yeah.
1: yeah. So Drew Barrymore Lisa walks in. Jack is harassing Mary because they're best buddies and, and tight like this.
0: They want to smooch.
2: He's like, do you want to go out for pizza? And she was like, I'd love to, but I can't eat three pizzas. He's like, why are you going to eat three pizzas? And she was like, because I have two other offers. And he says, oh, sorry. I guess you're the Delilah of the five and dime. (laughs) And I was like,
0: that must mean something, but okay. (laughs) Maybe he just doesn't want her to cut his hair.
3: Yeah. That's (laughs) That's the only reference.
0: His hair cutting. The only thing I can think of. He does have a very nice very nice head of of beautiful 80s hair on his beautiful Keanu head. Keanu is fully formed Keanu at this point. Like oh. he look unlike Drew Barrymore is still
2: 11, she's pretty young, but Keanu is like he does River's Edge the same year as this, which yeah. is an astonishing year of entertainment uh, right. for, for Keanu. <laughs> and he's fine and he's good and he's floppy haired. Uh, but anyways, Lisa shows up and she's like, big storm coming. It's me, Officer Child. I'm here to report a big storm. Oh, the mean Mr. Barney's coming. So Lisa, he, the, obviously what you have to do is hide under the counter because you can't just walk around the store and be a customer. You're the most known child in all of Cincinnati. <laughs>
1: Jack offers to drive them home in his Jeep, but they have to ask to leave work because, you know, Barney's a stickler.
2: So Barney comes up to, uh, uh. to, to uh, what's her name? Mary? I'm yeah, going to call her Mary. Mary, Mary. Mary, Mary. Why are you bugging? And he basically just sleezes so hard. He's like, Hello, lovely, lovely. How's all this stuff going? And what about my lap? Like, he's just like, he is so. So gross burgers. <laughs> and obviously the movie is trying to set him up as a bad guy, but what he's doing to this possible child. Like it's just
0: this is a children's entertainment. Yeah, and he's being so sexual. It's it. Is, as Corey just said,
2: it's literally just sexual harassment. and assault. he like rubs his finger on her sleeve. And it's just like disgusting. And it's like, you know what he could have just done? People in children's movie, you could have been like, if you don't stay over time, you're fired. But no, right. he has to be like, hey, uh, you know, I don't have a mustache. But if I did, mustache rides would be five cents or whatever.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, he it's walks terrible. up in his plaid suit and bolo tie and greased back hair and
3: oh. complains
1: to Mary about her fulfilling a customer return or exchange for a teddy bear. He's like, I told you to push teddies. You don't push teddies. And um, <laughs> like you because, you know, your merchandise is by no means faulty, Wink. Uh, doing your job <laughs> is pleasing me. And you know what yes, would really please is... me? It'd be really easy to please me if you would
0: please <sighs> please me. It's just crime. <laughs> this is especially off putting since at that point in my life and at this point in my life as well, I primarily know Richard Mulligan as the dad from Empty Nest slash the corpse from SOB. Uh, neither of which roles prepared me for this performance. I'll say this over and over again.
2: Everyone in this cast is 100% pure blood troopers. Uh, Mulligan, given the task to be a disgusting, lecherous man, he does it to the absolute fullest of his capabilities. And again, <laughs> it's creepy and bad, but not his fault. It feels like a, dir- feels like a director would have stopped that from Not, No, not Clive. Now, Clive that, Donner, that, on the, I think he t- tuckered his little self out doing A Christmas Carol. <laughs> and this year he was just like... Oh, it's just too hot today in Munich. (laughs) I don't, I just don't care. But you know what? Be real gross. I'm going to go see what's over at craft services. Oh, (laughs) digestive biscuits, you remember.
1: (laughs) Uh, Barney implies that uh, Mary's only into Jack because he's stealing from the registers. (laughs)
0: sure not because he's young and beautiful
1: and so lisa pops up and is like hey i'm gonna stand up for jack my sister's boyfriend you keep your smutty comments to yourself sir everyone's just like you suck barney
2: (laughs) it's the great quitting. it was very relatable to 2021 everybody sort of realizes like hey this sucks let's not work here (laughs) Yep.
1: Jack and his coworker, who we never learned the name of tragically, George. George. Is, George. Who's sitting on a ladder <laughs> tossing teddy bears into stuff. They come over because of all the loud noises, and Lisa grabs a microphone, announces to the entire store that everyone should leave because she heard on the news that there is a big <laughs> storm and everyone should leave.
0: And everyone drops everything they're doing and piles out of the store.
2: Oh, a, ch- a child said that? Oh, okay. Oh, it's a- Oh, wait a minute.
0: It's Lisa, the most known child in all of Cincinnati. <laughs> well, if if Lisa, the adult child, said so, we all better skedaddle. And Mary's like, "Here's your sled."
1: Barney's like, "Hey, you stole that."
0: And Mary's like, "You owe me twice as much of twice as much back pay as this is worth, anyway." Yeah, and Richard Mulligan's like, "Yeah, sweet ass sunshine or something." And uh, no, stupid. He's like, if "You can if you, su- get paid, you
1: can sue me." Sue me. <laughs> yeah. And then Jack and George quit as well and it's like, "You can sue me too. All of you can yeah. sue me. Everyone <laughs> the- is invited to sue me."
2: <laughs> and by the way, I better movie. That would be a better movie uh in the words the of we- in the words of we hate <laughs> movies because they're act- all of those kids could be like oh, you know, we've got real fertile grounds
0: for a lawsuit here. I mean, the sexual <laughs> harassment aside. Yeah, it's, it's a good, it's, it's not a bad point. I also, at this point, want to wanna note that uh, the actor who plays George reminds me of a very young Ned Beatty. Yeah, he's, he's good. Here's the thing. He's fine. This George is fine. Georgie Porgy is awful and I hate him, but it's not the actor's fault. No, very little of this is the actor's fault He's fine, he's I I looked him up,
2: he's one of those Actors who just did 100 million episodes of television And mm-hmm. fucking hats off to him It's an impossible business And I just, there's nothing I love more than when I See someone who I don't recognize And whose name I don't know, but see that they Worked for 40 years, it's yeah, just like,
1: it's like Every oh, single year, you. like three or four To five projects, it's great
2: So now, our four heroes Are in Keanu's Uh, Junkie Jeep uh, with a cloth roof and they are driving through the absolute worst blizzard in the history of recorded weather. The music has decided to
1: pull out the (laughs) brand new synthesizer it just got.
0: (laughs) Here's the thing about the snow in these sequences is that there may be some practical effects involving snow, but they are also being covered up by an overlay of a lot of snow. It's not great. Like most of the
2: effects in the movie, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, bad and, it's, well, it's bad and stupid. I
1: think it effectively communicates that there's snow.
2: That and everybody in the first 15 minutes of the movie going, the biggest snowstorm in the world is coming. <laughs> so, true. uh I don't drive. I'm bad at it. And there are enough people who are bad at it that I feel like I can sit this out for the rest of my life. And besides at this point, there's no fucking where to go, but I do know this. If you are driving through bad inclement weather, you can do one of two things. You can keep your eyes on the road and tell everybody to shut up, or you can launch into a rousing shitty musical number
0: about how great the city you're in is. While driving very, very quickly, given the inclement conditions, he's just, like, gunning it.
1: You know, at first they named it Cincy, but Cincy's pretty natty, so they had to call it Cincinnati.
0: Don't expect me to remember the lyrics to any song in this movie, because as soon as people started singing, I stopped listening. I took the hit for the team, and I listened to all of the songs, uh, because... Again, the
2: person who wrote it is just like real fucking good. This was not. So I wish I could sing this back to you, but I don't remember any of it because it just literally disappeared from my head. But imagine the song, the title song from Oklahoma, only
0: they're singing about Cincinnati. That's it. I thought of Meet Me in St. Louis, but yes. They're going to mention Pete Rose like 500 times in this goddamn thing.
2: Which is delightful because I feel like it was only a few years later that Pete Rose was busted for gambling on his own team and against his own team uh, and uh, was uh, cast into shame for the rest of his natural life. Uh, not 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 now, though. So he is an earmark of everything that's great about Cincinnati. Also, one of the rhymes in this is she's Ohio's Maserati, uh, which gives you an idea <laughs> And again, I feel like Leslie Bercuse pulled this out of a drawer and was just like, where's the movie set? Cincinnati. Uh,
0: Oh, I got one of those. uh, A, B, C, 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 E, C, I, there. It also, despite being um, a musical number from the year 1986, uses the word feller. Yes, because this song was written in
2: 1952
0: probably this this leads a lends a lot of credence to your theory. Uh anyway, Jack is really confident in his four-wheel drive. So he's driving like a maniac through the storm of the century and the the tarp or whatever that covers his jeep uh is loose and uh, Drew Barrymore keeps trying to seal it shut but ineffectively and suddenly a tree falls in their path and he has to skid to a stop and Drew Barrymore who is sitting on the sled apparently that she was gifted because there's not a lot of room in the jeep is flung flung from this Jeep and sleds pell-mell down a hill and bonks her sweet little head
2: on a tree. I would prefer not to die, and I'm looking into it, but (laughs) if I were to die, I definitely would not pick thrown from a car on a sled, slide backwards down a hill into a tree. That is a terrifying last 30 seconds of your life.
1: She's dead. The movie is over. Yes. (laughs) But then... Toyland, (laughs) toyland,
0: little girl and boyland through the clouds over a beautiful, amazing fantasy street. And now
2: we see an overhead shot of Toyland. And like I said, it is a bunch of shitty hastily constructed buildings in the middle of a dusty expanse with a little bit of AstroTurf here and there to make it look like anything green. I didn't know Munich had a desert, quite frankly, or Tundra. I don't know where the fuck they are, but it is the saddest, brightest lit It's terrible, and also like not a for a movie that is supposed to be, I guess, a Christmas movie. Not a flake of goddamn snow anywhere. Once we leave Cincinnati, it's the least Christmasy shit ever. It's
0: so true. Any anyway, they have they have spared many expenses.
1: There's pink houses and dirt roads and so many balloons,
0: too many Uh, balloons, and uh, people in. Not very good animal costumes. There's, there is one in particular that pops up over the course of this film that I swear they were like, I don't think we have enough animals in this thing, and they just like found like a football team's lion mascot and didn't bother to take off his jersey or anything and just just tossed him in there because yep. he looks like none of the other costumes. Uh, this movie is my favorite. It- Here's a drinking game you can do.
2: Every time the costumer forgot to tuck the bottom of the headpiece under the fucking collar of the clothes. So what we are led to believe, because what, what the movie wants us to believe, Red Letter Media always does this thing when talking about, this, about bad movies, they're like, what did they envision? What did they want it to look like? And what does it end up looking like? And what they envisioned was a magical land where there are like anthropomorphized animals walking around. What sure. they got was a world that looks like that three quarters of the human population are forced to wear furry suits <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: Boom. and go about their well, business.
2: They're,
0: uh, Cause they're supposed to be like living
2: toys. Maybe there's a bear. Who's a cop. A-C-A-B, Corey. All cops are bears. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no, that's not true. Some cops are And then
1: are there's, like, normal people dressed in, like, Victorian era streetwear, <laughs> yeah, just, I guess.
0: No rhyme or reason, Guess Troy. what? We're not going to interact with any of them. They are entirely background. No, we'd have to pay them if they spoke on camera. <laughs> there's, like, eight speaking roles in this thing.
2: It's a, a shitty regional storybook land. And then big time, uh, big time village from the prisoner vibes. Like there's. Oh, just- yes. <laughs> they are, they I- are captive in this town. And they are. Oh, that's the thing. So it's light 24 hours a day, which mm-hmm. uh, is how people go crazy. There's a movie called
0: Insomnia <laughs> about this literal thing. There's two movies called Insomnia about this literal thing. They're the same movie.
2: You can't leave because it's surrounded on all sides by the forest of eternal night, or as we will come to find out, the forest of eternal day for night. Um, (laughs) So it's it's toilet. Oh, so Drew lands in all of this and she she lands lands in a cake. I was about to say. I'm
0: sorry. It's okay.
2: She lands in there. There are four guys carrying a gigundous cake, which (laughs) Barrymore lands
0: in. It's like they're trying to catch her though. Yeah. Like, like they're walking along su- supposedly oblivio- obliviously, and then they see her very slowly coming for landing, and they put the cake down as though okay. to cushion her.
1: You're, you're underselling this. The villagers all react like Godzilla <laughs> has appeared. They're like, ah, a monster! And they all flee for their lives from Drew Barrymore, who is riding a sled from the clouds. And I mean, she lands, and I they're run. like, there's a monster in Barnaby's wedding cake!
0: <laughs> and then she takes off her cakes, her cakes on winter clothes so that she's wearing a lovely um, dress and um, overall ensemble.
2: Yeah, she's, the she, the film. she's all oshkosh bagoshed out. And, everybody's and, no, like, and
0: everybody seems to just have calmed down about it at this
2: point. Oh, it's just a human child who fell from the
0: sky and <laughs> killed the wicked, we- I mean, broke a cake. Josh, are you suggesting there are parallels between this film and The Wizard of Oz? I am.
2: I, I, I very much am. I a hundred percent wholeheartedly am. Uh, and so everybody is like, Oh, she's not a monster. That's just uh, that's TV and films. Drew Barrymore. Okay, cool. I saw her in power starter. Drew meets Georgie Porgie, who is the analog of George from uh, the real world. And he kind of does a big information dump. There's a wedding yeah. today. It's between evil Barnaby and awesome. Mary and that he makes eyes at Drew Barrymore and
0: it's true his his heart he has a is a fluttering
1: and you know you know she's just the sweetest cutest little thing
0: he's got what i would describe as just about the most boring looking big cookie that he describes as raspberry ripple cuz i guess cuz it has a little bit of pink icing on it which he pulled from under his hat
1: because he was already eating the other cookie he had
0: yeah he just he's fat he, he's fat, so he has to eat all the time.
2: Not just because he's fat in an 80s TV show, he has to eat all the time. It's his job, Anna. It's his fucking okay, job. Respect I'm his sorry. job. He is the cookie factory's <laughs>
0: official cookie taster. That, does that mean he has to taste every cookie?
2: Yep, he takes one bite
0: out and <laughs> puts it in the thing. This is, I do not want to buy any of these cookies now. They have a little exposition walk. Um, they go past Barnaby's Bowling Ball House. Which is a bowling ball, uh, Barnaby. Basically,
2: long story short, Barnaby bought the mortgage to the shoe that Old Mother Hubbard lives in. Old Mother Hubbard is Mary's mom, and if Mary doesn't marry Richard Mulligan, who is Barnaby, uh, then then they're all gonna get thrown out of their house. And it's the worst because
1: he's even Jack's uncle. And
2: yes, uh, yes,
1: Drew comments, "Wow." Barnaby is so evil and bizarre, so weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Barnaby wants to take over the cookie factory that Jack inherited from his dad. But Barnaby made a new law that Jack has to get married by the time he's 21 or he loses possession of the factory. Which, which is next like, Wednesday. Which is next Wednesday, which feels like the opposite of how that law would probably work.
2: Yeah. <laughs> It also gives us absolutely no ticking clock, which nope. is like it's sort of like, and we've got to get this done by next
0: Wednesday, and it's but like, the well, what day now? Yeah, <laughs> what day is it today? <laughs> this is really important. This narrative is going to take place over a full week. There's intertitles letting you know which day it is, and it's a real, it's a real count now. Now that this happened,
1: they join the crowd at the wedding location. There's two very sad French clowns. Uh- <laughs> And then there's a a choir, a a a children's choir that has to, and Miss Muffet has to play the piano to sing her happy wedding song.
2: Oh yeah, Old Mother Hubbard says, tough it, get on your Muffet. And that's Eileen Brennan as well. And I (laughs) gotta tell you, Eileen, I was just talking about her with friends the other day because we were talking about the picture Clue. Uh, Mm. Eileen Brennan is Miss Peacock in that. And uh, we were Mm. talking about how she has the worst written part in that and still knocks it out of the park because Eileen Brennan, she talks like this and goes fiddle-dee-dee and just got decoltage and it's like,
0: she doesn't really have anything to do but she does it very well. I mean, that's that's sort of her role here is to be like a, a very horny uh, middle-aged lady uh, who just wants not to have her shoe repossessed and doesn't really care who she hurts in order to do it.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm not necessarily familiar with all of Mother Goose uh <laughs> <laughs> does well, I, old mother hubbard have a list in any no, story no no
0: she went to the cupboard to get her dog a bone and then when she got there the cupboard was bare so the dog did not get a bone that's the wait a minute narrative. wait a minute old mother hubbard blah 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 wait who lives in a shoe There was an old lady who lives in, who lived in a shoe. Josh, they lampshade this when they, when they say that, when, when, when they go to the shoe and Lisa Drew Barrymore is like, I thought there was an old lady who lived in the shoe and they were like, Oh, she had to move into a pair of boots because her family got too big and then we got the place.
2: Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's all extended, uh, grim universe stuff. This is Mother Goose Universe stuff. Grim Universe stuff is better than that.
1: Yeah. Lisa's last name is Piper, which calls back to the original operetta where Uh... the Pipers
2: are main characters. Anyways, so look, the wedding's about to start. Miss Muffet gets on her tuffet and starts playing the piano. And everybody sings the, may you have the happiest wedding, the happiest (laughs) birthday, the merriest whatever. And then Kaga comes out and is like,
0: happy birthday to you. (laughs) Um. If only. (laughs) The crossover I demand. And and oh, and we meet Barnaby.
1: He exits his bowling ball with his two Egors.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Zach and Mac were terrible. Discount riffraff and discount Nosferatu. Who? <laughs> Fuck, man. I I feel like I okay. So I feel like if I was magically transported to a movie set and was and they were t- told me you have you have thirty minutes to make these guys up as villains. Here's some stuff. I could probably at least equal what what is on display here.
1: Whereas Barnaby has, you know, a cloak and a <laughs> vest. It's all dark blue with raven feathers and he's got a hat and the hat has wings on the front.
0: Oh, yeah, this is a great hat.
2: I feel very confident I have seen that uh, hat on Dracula. Like that is, <laughs> that is Probably. fucking, that is goth drag realness. Uh, it's a beautiful outfit. It's too bad it's in this movie. At
1: least it takes a look at Barnaby and a look at Mary is like, oh my God, she can't marry someone so hideous.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing about Barnaby. He's a lot better than mr barney his real world equivalent he's a lot easier to take he's somehow less sleazy oh i mean he's more like over the top evil but he's not gross in the same way No, Mr.
2: Barney is the bigger uh, supervillain for sure. (laughs) Oh, also, here's a little thing I want to bring up that will never be regarded again because this movie was too cheap. And it's weird that they introduced this information in the first place, Uh, unless I went into a fugue state for the last 15 minutes Mm. of the movie. Uh, As they are passing, Barnaby, Barnaby lives in a giant bowling ball which I will say is a great prop and a great set. Um, And uh, Georgie Porgy says, oh, yeah, he lives in that bowling ball. And you know what? Sometimes when he gets really (laughs) mad, he'll just dislodge it from the hill that it's on and it'll roll through the town. Knock people over like pins. And I thought to myself, well, well, that's Chekhov's giant bowling ball then. I'm sure what's Uh going to happen at the end is that Barnaby gets crushed by it or something
0: happens with it. No, stupid. that's that's from the uh, that's from the draft where they thought they'd have a budget.
2: Yeah, maybe Clearly. it's in the extended version, but I doubt it. I think they were gonna do like a Raiders like giant ball
1: and someone running this away from true. it. But... No.
0: Yeah, Jen was obsessed with the interior of the bowling ball. She desperately wanted to see what the room or rooms inside the bowling ball looked like. Guess guess what, guys? There's only like two. Uh, two buildings that have an interior in this movie, and neither of them are the bowling ball. The bowling ball has a subterranean cave, but that's not in the bowling ball. That's below the bowling ball. Oh yeah, it's Dagobah.
2: It's the Dagobah. Uh, it's just it's just swampland and shit. It's terrible. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, but okay, so it's the wedding, and the wedding starts, and before the we- and uh, uh, the justice of the peace, whose last name is Grim, which is why I think I went. Oh, sure. this is all like Grim fairy tales, but it's not. Um, it's Mother Goose shit. Uh, but anyways, he's like, well, by the way, hey, the to- the toy maker sends his regards. He couldn't be here. Uh, he got stuff to do, uh, but he sent this note saying, I hope that these two young people find love because this wedding is probably bullshit. But he does it in a passive aggressive. <laughs> Way and
0: everybody's like, "Oh!" That's <laughs> the and Mary and Jack of. look at each other significantly. Yes,
1: and, and mouth, "I love you," without right. saying it. While Lisa interrogates George for more information, like, if the toy maker's so wonderful, how could he let this happen? Why doesn't he stop this travesty of a wedding?
0: And George is like, "I don't know." Jack tries to stop this travesty of a wedding, but he's stopped by discount Nosferatu and Bear They put
1: their hands in front of his face so he can't get past them. There's
0: nothing he can do. He can't do anything. He's like a small dog. Or a falcon. If you cover, (laughs) this is
2: a fun fact, if you cover Keanu's eyes, he can't move. It's It's in all of his contracts and writers. Do not block his eyes. But he wears sunglasses in so many films. He does, uh, because he's very careful of his eyes.
1: The justice continues with the wedding, gets through the vows. Even he thinks Barnaby is ugly uh, and doesn't deserve anyone's love. But, you know, he's still (laughs) willing to go on with the ceremony. And before he announces, and now you are man and wife, or whatever he was going to say, Lisa's like, no, stop the wedding! Everybody stop!
2: (laughs) And... (laughs) And there's chaos, and like <laughs> the wedding, <laughs> we'll come to find out. Barnaby is evil and has an army of evil monsters, and Zach and Mac uh, and Nosferatu's, and all he can kind of do is point his Coke nail at
0: <laughs> Drew. Gone.
2: Because by the way, <laughs> that like is a
0: Frankenstein.
2: <laughs> absolutely nothing else. He has no big nails on nine of his fingers and then on his thumb. Now, traditionally, the Coke nail is the pinky, but, you know, maybe they were like, this is for kids. Uh, <laughs> he has a gigantic like Frito, like double Frito sized fingernail on his thumb. And he points it and he's like, who are you, my pretty, I mean, yeah. lady. Yeah, He
1: talks down it like he wiggles it like it's a puppet that's, that's talking.
2: <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I'm Lisa from Cincinnati. And he's like, Oh, like that show John from Cincinnati? No, that sucked because nobody the running gag is that nobody can pronounce Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh Cincy and so Watsky. he's like, Listen, Lisa, who's he, Cincy Whatski? Um, you can't stop this wedding. But then she question mark does question mark, and then he gets mad. And he leaves, and one of
1: his goons makes vampire noises as they leave. It's yeah. like blah at people.
0: The great thing about Zack and Mac is they're the they're like the only characters who get fully, <laughs> but they get like Chuck <laughs> Jones fully for some reason. I
2: don't know why he doesn't just, he controls, he controls the bear police. He has an army of monsters and everybody's (laughs) fucking terrified of him. And it's just like, Hey, uh, okay, great little girl um you're under arrest or whatever and i'm gonna get married but no he's just like we'll see about any of this and hoofs
0: and poofs <laughs> off I mean, he doesn't like the optics of uh challenging a small girl on his wedding georgie who
1: was like subtly trying to get Lisa to shut the hell up and be quiet uh is like let's hear it for the girl of the week and they put her on a parade float And sing and cheer and parade her through town. Ding
2: dong, the witches. Nope, 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 nope. Let's hear it for the girl of the hour. Let's hear it for the girl of the month, the
0: week, and also next Wednesday. Yeah. You know, if I was in Toyland and everybody started singing about how great Anna was, I'd be cool with it. Just saying.
2: It's another song that obviously was like, oh, you need a celebrating song? Hang on. Let me check. <laughs> let me check my brick use refuse pile. Oh, right here. Uh, girl of the day, girl of the month, girl of the year. All right. That's our number.
0: You know what? Hot take. This is the best, best musical number in the film.
2: I mean, it's catchy. It's catchy. It's catchy. It's short. <laughs> it's everything I want. It sounds like South Park when South Park is making fun of musicals. <laughs> like, that's Framped. the nicest thing I can say about it. It is very
0: show I don't dislike that.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's... While
1: everyone's having a great time, we go to the smoky caverns underneath the bowling ball house. <laughs> <laughs> Barnaby's, like, griping to Zack and Mac. And then there's just these other things. Creatures. <laughs> piles of detritus with eyes.
0: They went to Jim Henson's post Dark Crystal garage sale and just bought whatever they could.
2: And then they also have this creepy bird whose name I never... Trollum?
0: Trollog. 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 It's in the credits.
2: Oh, sweet Trollog. I will look into your eye. Please show me what our friends are doing. So Trollog is a creepy, terrible bird with one eye that also works as a video camera in, or like a video projector, so they can see what the good guys are doing at all times. Which is completely unlike the witch's cauldron or crystal ball from Wizard of Oz. Is a very different thing. I will also just say that Trollog and all of the Monstars in this movie are gave me big time tokusato vibes. Like I was like, mm, they, yes. I was like especially that bird. I was like, oh, they saved that bird. That bird's going to fight the fucking power Rangers. You bet your life on it. Trollog is the only thing I love in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Trollog's a great design, but Trollog looks like it's going to like get real
0: big and fight somebody (laughs) else who gets real big. Or, or at the very least is going to be hanging out with Rita Repulsa. Uh, I do not disagree. Uh, And I'm a little like, I'm a little concerned that the that Barnaby effectively has like omniscience over this entire town, and I'm worried about what he's been watching. Oh, it's kind of it's got a kind of a sliver vibe, is all I'm saying. Oh, now I want that version of sliver. Do <laughs> You want the version <laughs> of sliver where he's just looking into a pig? For an it's eye. it's
2: Jill it's Jill Schlowen and Richard Mulligan, <laughs> but then the rest of the movie is exactly the same.
0: And Trolling is there.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes, oh yeah, it's, instead <laughs> of a monitor wall It's just Trollog, it's just a million It's just a bunch
0: of Trollogs Yeah, exactly I, You know what, that improves both films uh, This is where we get the exposition uh,
2: Dump that uh, Jack has to be married by next Wednesday Which again, uh, you, nothing like a ticking clock uh, To make everybody feel like This is really important We need to get this done in, in Oh, what do we got, six weeks, a month uh, this, I this Last year, my wife and I watched, uh, 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 oh shit, I can't believe I'm blanking on it. What's, oh, Love Actually, because mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. we know, not everyone, enough people that we know it's a meaningful movie to them that we were like, let's give it a shot. Uh, big fucking mistake. Not a not a good movie for me, uh, but it's great to love movies. So if you do, that's it's great. It's fun
1: to watch Bill Maher flail while recording a song.
2: There are fine moments in it, but my only point is so we don't get too far afield because I could be mad about this movie for hours. Um, The opening shot and you hear the Christmas music and you see London and Kayla and I were like, oh, this is going to be a fun Christmas movie. This is great. And then you see a thing come up on the screen that's like, 68 days until Christmas, or something like that. And Kayla and I went, Oh no, that's why this movie's two and a half hours. Shit.
1: It's 68 days long. Yes.
2: Oh no.
0: 68 <laughs> days until Christmas.
1: Whereas oh Maze of Toyland is only a week.
0: Only a week. And it only feels like two weeks. Yes. Oh.
2: But. Okay, anyway. Speaking of uh, which. Go on. We go to, we're at the Toyland <laughs> Cookie Factory now, and we see the Toyland Cookie Factory, and again, it's, uh, it's the RLM theory of, like, what they envisioned versus what actually happened. What they envisioned, Wonka's Factory. What actually happened, a multi-purpose room with some cooking and <laughs> baking-related, garishly colored <laughs> shit, and then everybody on roller skates, which is not OSHA-approved.
0: For places <laughs> where baking happens. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's not like they have a flour grinder that they could possibly grind somebody in. This is
1: a cookie factory. <laughs> Why is everything a cake?
0: That's because the cookies look like shit. So, Barnaby shows up and tells everybody to go on break and they're all like, yay, break time. A and cookie then- break specific. Sorry to interrupt, Anna. Specifically, short. it's a cookie break. And I feel like break. that's not that exciting at a cookie factory. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's like when I was working in a movie theater, we got free popcorn on our breaks and I was just like, I don't want it. I no, hate it. I see the garbage <laughs> bags in back, <laughs> Like that it's that we're full of, like, I no. To, I've, I have to smell this for like eight hours a day. I don't <laughs> want to put it in my body. Anywho. So Barnaby gets everybody to take a hike, and he and, and Zach and Matt go into the back and spend roughly a thousand hours stealing all the cookies and throwing them into the subterranean cavern. So the cookie storage room is built over
2: a direct trap door that goes right into Barnaby's lair. Yes.
0: I have a question about this, because I think, and from reviewing the footage, I think I may be correct. I think there's there is a there is a door that opens outwards, a large portal, but there's also a trap door that opens inwards with which to trap people, which was relevant later. I think there's two.
1: Yeah, these are the doors that open up into the room.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That they slam jam some cakes down. Barnaby is supervising.
2: It all goes to the same place, which is apparently Cartier's yeah. <laughs> underground lair, which seems to take up all of underground. Oh, I
0: thought you meant my tummy.
1: <laughs> this toilet is built oh. on a series of tunnels. Okay. Yep.
0: Yeah. It's it's true. It's it's weird. Um. Anyway, so they do a lot of supposedly fun capering around and throwing boxes of cookies down a hole, and it it takes forever. We kind of garishly and
2: suddenly cut uh, many times in this movie. There's a cut that seems like it was done with a pair of safety scissors (laughs) on the actual film. I will say one nice thing about this movie. For a movie that had an entire goddamn hour cut out of it, it actually is relatively linear. And for Mm. the amount of sense that it makes, it makes all of that sense in a row.
1: There are definite cuts where it's like, I feel like I'm missing something. Coming up shortly, there's a thing with Toy Soldiers.
0: Yeah, and i have no yeah. idea
1: why or what happens there
0: here's a thing that i said while watching this movie before i before i was aware that there was a two and a half hour cut uh is is that boy they really know that they have to cover a hundred uh like uh, an hour and 35 minutes and they're really padding it out to make that time now if it was if it's two and a half hours and it was split into two it probably still stands I can't even begin
2: to imagine how padded the two and a half hour, hour version must be like there. We cut must- a few
0: songs too. It's not like all songs.
2: There was a 1980s remake of Valley of the Dolls, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. The original, the remake, not beyond. Yes, got it. Uh,
0: the,
2: the original is my favorite. I watched the remake because it's like, because they did it as a miniseries in the 1980s. And it's just like, ah, oh, prime cocaine era. Let's watch this. And it's uh, there. are And it's also like two and a half, three hours long. And there are literal shots. Like, Every goddamn if a person is walking down a hallway, you best believe you're going to see them at the back of the hallway and follow them until they get to the front of the hallway. If somebody's getting into their car, they're going to walk all the way goddamn down to their car, open the door, say goodbye to somebody, get in the car, start the
0: car and the car is going to pull away. So what you're saying is this was an Ed Wood production.
2: Yes, this is what I imagine the two hour and 25 minute version of this. It's a lot of like, Lisa's got to go and go tell her sister it's snowing. Well, Lisa's going to put on every piece of clothing (laughs) while talking about.
0: Oh, there's the meringue sequence, but
2: still, yes. So it's still padded. It's an hour and 35 minutes and it's still ridiculously padded. Anyways, we jump shit cut to (laughs) old Mother Hubbard, who is reading a list
0: of every thought she's ever had. She's got too many children and she can't remember.
1: That information isn't on the list. The names of her children are separate and unimportant. (laughs) Are
0: those her children? I guess.
2: I think she might just be like the... I don't know if they all... live Because... I actually have no idea. But so what she does is she's like, well, it's stupid that you ruined the wedding, but here, let me introduce you to every child in this town. <laughs> and then she's like, here's little boy blue. Here's, you know, fucking Jack Bean. Well, who's uh, Jack Bean Nimble, but it's yeah. just like, and here's the thing that it's I found real, myself we, we thinking. We willy winky. Yeah. We willy winky. Here's the thing I found myself thinking, which is like, This is really smart. They're introducing all of these kids. Each one of them, it's like the dirty dozen. They each have a specified skill. And then at the end of the movie, We're gonna get to sit like we live. We Willy Winky. He runs through the town with his little candle in his nightgown. Maybe he's like the fucking Flash, and he's gonna like, or he's got the thing with the candle, and he's gonna set <laughs> <step laughs> Barnaby on fire. This is like the there's, extended there's games a bugler. The
1: like you got someone yeah. that can warn people. You've got someone that can do the small spaces.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, unfortunately, Mother Hubbard just gets kind of bored and decides to stop introducing children, possibly because they ran out of Mother Goose references.
2: This sucks. Now Barnaby's going to take the house. And what are you going to do? And Drew, like reverse psychologies, her to being like, <laughs> well, you know, the thing <laughs> is, Mother Hubbard. It seems like that guy Barnaby, he's more sweet on you than he is, Mary. And <laughs> and Eileen Brandon is just like, oh my decolletage. oh heavens, <laughs> I'm so turning, true. I'm blushing <laughs> everywhere. That's so a man, you know. Listen, and- if those
0: are all her kids, she's definitely DTF. <laughs> I, listen, I will not apologize for oversexualizing Mother Hubbard, okay? I had to do something while I was watching this. She's into it. She's into it. She's no. very into anything. She is, She's she just into older guys, as is amply proven in the narrative.
1: For some reason, they're escorting this girl child around town to introduce her to everyone and show her the factory and the shoe house and all this
2: other stuff. And they get into their stupid little go-karts. <laughs> Josh sent us a wonderful
0: video of his reaction to this scene.
2: So they get into these stupid little go-karts, which, again, are very obviously part of the shitty theme park that this thing is. <laughs> yep. They look—they literally just look like Formula One race cars that have purple flowers drawn on them. But shitty. There
3: must be so many great things to do in
0: Thorland. Nope. <laughs> Listen. I saw this video that you made and I was sitting in my car in my parents' driveway and I laughed for like a solid minute before I could go inside and I sent it to Jen and Jen texted me. She's like, I'm laughing so hard at this. So you've brought joy to at least two people. So they just drive around
2: and this is the exact point that I was like, This is hell. Like she is, she died (laughs) and she is in hell. And this is what hell is. It is a little (laughs) stupid theme park that
0: you can never leave because there's a big fence around it. It's one street with garishly painted mother goose themed things with bad go-karts and it's always daylight. It's always terrible. And And she just hasn't been there long enough to realize that she's roasting in the fires of Hades.
2: They go back to the cookie factory, and Drew tries very hard to look like impressed and awake. Uh, and uh, and then Barnaby shows up to be evil, and uh, and I my note here was like, Barnaby, just kill everybody, like just kill her. <laughs> no, but what if I frame Jack for grand cookie
1: larceny, a real crime that you go to jail for?
0: So the explanation here is that all the cookies are gone. And because Jack is in charge of the factory and should have and and is the one who's in charge of the cookies, he is the only possible suspect and this must be thrown in jail. Not not he's just an incompetent cookie factory manager who allowed a theft to occur, but he's the only person who could maybe have done
1: it. Look if you're the justice of the peace of Toyland and uh an elder of the town comes before you and says that a young man stole all the cookies in the cookie factory and you're in the cookie factory and you can't see any cookies. It's true.
0: I feel like Barnaby has a lot more control over the legal system in this town than is necessary. And also if he has this much control, how does he not feel like he runs Toyland? Because he kind of does already. It's what's a shadow just, government. What's going on? Oh, he wants, he wants to be officially in charge.
2: Um, I At this point, were I doing a rewrite of this script, I would have made absolutely sure to give Keanu the line, who me? Couldn't
0: be.
1: See, I think what he wants is hostages (laughs) (laughs) so that he can force Mary to marry
0: him. And then Barnaby could be like, then who? Oh, Josh, I want you to punch this up so bad. (laughs) I just want to punch it. You know, you, you, there, there's a Disney version of this movie. They must be able to get the rights for you to, um, um, to the 20, uh, 2022 version of Babes in Toyland.
2: This is the first version of this I've ever seen. And Anna quite uh, pointed out at the beginning that this has nothing to do with the original story. I still don't know what the original story of Babes in Toyland is, yeah. and I will never find out and I don't care.
1: The Disney version has different characters and involves a shrink ray.
2: Perfect. And I'm sure the Laurel and Hardy one is unwatchable.
0: I have seen part of the Disney one, and all I remember is that there's a scene where uh, one of the comedy villain foils says says the phrase, let us pussyfoot. Even as a child, I was like, that's a little bit of a weird expression.
2: Is that one of those uh, where it's like, it's Mickey and Minnie, and they're all, in? no? Nope?
0: No, it's a gross human people. Oh, I hate it. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's live action. Yes. Yes. Oh, I a synapse just exploded. I remember this. I remember it's a terrible set. It's an even worse set than this one, if that's because it's all <laughs> yeah. indoors.
0: Yeah, I feel yeah. like it's I feel like it's oh. arguably more tedious than this version, which is saying something. This at least has star power. <laughs> that's right. It's they have no Drew Barrymore in that. They have Edwin. Uh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry.
2: i meant uh, Um. Anyways, the bear Ooh. cops, sh- the bear cops show up, and Jack is taken to jail forever, I... forever <laughs> for five.
1: And they throw away minutes. the key, and by that I mean they hang it on the, <laughs> the, the wall God. within reach, and then uh, I guess Lisa grabs it and just unlocks the door when the. No, cops are jo- gone. Lisa
0: distracts the judge by telling him about how wonderful Cincinnati is and about Pete Rose's amazing accomplishments while Georgie Porgie. Snatches the keys, and also Mary has has a brief heartfelt reunion with Jack through the bars. Which in the in the long version, it results in a song about how she's on the outside looking in, and he's on the inside looking out.
1: They decide that the only one that can help them with the situation is the Toy Master, who
2: sees and rules <laughs> all in the town. I would just like to say, just to track that Georgie Porgie is fat. Georgie Porgie, he takes the keys, he releases Keanu from prison, and says something like. I, I can't believe I did this. I'm just not cut out to be a hero. And Keanu doesn't pat his tummy, but he basically pats his tummy and <laughs> says, Oh, Georgie Porgy, they could cut three heroes from you. At which point, were I Georgie Porgy, I would have closed the door and locked it and been like, Oh, how do you like me now? Pretty fat, huh? Well, I'm going to go be yeah. fat outside of jail, you fuck.
0: <laughs> oh, also. Uh, Mary Mary walks by the, the judge's chambers where Lisa's still telling him about how wonderful Cincinnati is and gives her like a wink thumbs up or something to let her know everything went okay. And Lisa is like, I know what I should do. I should be like, hey, I want to go visit my friend Jack now, so that the judge will go in and see that he's escaped, which is probably something he wouldn't have noticed for quite some time otherwise. Right. But then what she can do is the oh, judge right, she f- of goss- goss him in his own yeah, jail. I the forgot. judge walks
2: into the jail to be like. <laughs> Like, I better, even though I can see with my eyes that there's nobody in this empty room, but I better have a look in case he's a
0: keanu Millian and has blended <laughs> in with his background. Slammo! Now he's trapped in jail. Maybe he got Jack Nimble confused with little Jack Horner and he was like, he must be in the corner. <laughs> That's incredible. That was, yes. You know what? That would have been a funny joke in that better movie. Better joke.
1: Better joke. We arrive at the Toy Masters toy shop and there are a lot of Ugh. open flames which <laughs> operate some really cool like spinny toys yeah. oh but i've never seen those toys before so it's just a lot of
0: candles oh my gosh cory okay so you're young maybe the kids don't do this anymore when i was we uh we had like a fake brass version of this that you put together at christmas and had candles on it. it had angels hanging from from it and you lit the candles and it turned the fan and it spun around and they dinged little bells ding 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 and it was lovely. My family was terrified of uh, things
2: catching on fire because that happened a lot back in the 50s 60s and 70s with Christmas stuff (laughs) so there were no candles we only had the oldest chain of basically light bulb sized Christmas lights (laughs) held together (laughs) with like fucking duct tape and
0: prayers and gum and thank god our house and nobody's house ever burnt out. (laughs) You know no, you say that your family was afraid of fire, but your description tells me otherwise. They were afraid of candle fire. Oh, they were afraid of afraid of open flames. <laughs> yeah,
2: electrical fire and the risk therein was not as much on their uh, to be
0: scared about list. Uh, well, we live in Alberta, and Alberta, in Alberta, we we worship the fire. I don't know. <laughs> they love it. They love it. It's like cold a- here. What I'm saying is it's cold.
1: <laughs> the toy master is Pat Morita. Yes. Mr. Miyagi is the toy master.
2: Who is wonderful in this. He gives a nice little performance.
0: The toy master is useless. A useless character. <laughs> he does nothing aside from pa- aside from say that he won't do things or tell other people that it's their job because he's too old. And you get the
2: sense I At the end of the movie, there's a reveal about the Toy Master, and you get the sense, like, oh, he, you know, was kind of controlling the situation the whole time and was pulling the strings and blah, blah, blah. But what he kind of comes across as is a gently stoned Pat Morita who's like, hey, you know what? There's bad (laughs) things happening, and you guys should figure it out. Everyone's got a little
1: good (laughs) inside of them. You know, good and evil have to fight it out inside of a person. For you to really know what's up,
2: <laughs> you know Jefferson Airplane was fine, but people you don't appreciate Jefferson Starship. Not Starship when they did. We built the city that was obviously <laughs> terrible, but Jefferson Starship still some pretty good records. Anyways, I'm Pat Morita.
0: This so- doesn't sound like a Toy Master problem. This sounds like a Lisa problem.
1: Check out my closets
0: full of five foot tall wooden soldiers. With cobwebs that will only be apparent in this scene and will disappear thereafter. We don't see him do
2: any toy crafting. He seems to just supervise. But at one point, his not elves, but, people, but people who appear to be children wearing fake beards, but dubbed with the voices of old people to make it all so disgusting that I had to lay down on the floor for a second. Thank God they only show up in this scene.
1: I forgot about them until just this moment. I forgot about their stupid hats and how much I hate them.
2: This is where we learn why the Toy Master is the Toy Master, because they bring him like an (laughs) Arlequino puppet, those or the French mimes as you described them. And they were like, Toy Master, we don't know what to do with the eyes. And the Toy Master goes, oh, I know what to do, and then draws pupils in their all-white, end-of-the-beyond <laughs> eyes. Uh, and he's like, they need pupils. And everybody's like, that's why you're the Toy Master, motherfucker. You know toys need pupils, I guess. <laughs> like,
0: they've been, how long have they been making toys that they don't know how to make the eyes on a top? I I also want to say that, like, you get to... So again, again, this film is like overreaching its capability because, you know, the Toy Master's shop is supposed to be a wondrous place full of wonderful toys, but uh, it looks like it's basically stocked with the shit from the Five and Dime from earlier. It all looks shabby and boring. And then he later complains about how like toy soldier, like wooden soldiers are out of, you know, aren't, aren't popular anymore. And I'm like, dude, none of the shit in your, that you're making is popular. No, nobody, nobody wants, nobody wants any of this stuff. Christmas morning. Nobody wants your crappy frog plushies. I don't see a Coleco vision anywhere. <laughs> right, this 1986 motherfucker. I don't see any, I don't see any,
2: yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> I,
0: want a, oh, shit. I want a Hoth play set for God's sakes. This should be Yoda dolls, and he tees.
2: So they, but long story short, they bring the Toy Master up to speed, and he's like, I can't do anything. Also, I got these wooden soldiers. Oh, you know what else I have that won't help you at
1: all? Here, I keep it under lock and key, because it's super special and secret.
0: And I've never told anybody, but I'm going to tell you four randos.
2: Oh, and by the way, uh, Richard Mulligan, evil Richard yes. Mulligan,
0: is watching this all on drug door's <laughs> eye. Trollog vision.
2: And he goes to the cabinet and again, me as a writer person goes, oh, I wonder if this is like a special thing that our heroes can use to like defeat the bad guy, blah, blah, blah. A
1: bag of sneezing dust or magic fairy powder or something.
2: Sure. Literally anything. Or maybe even something toy related. But no, he pulls out his (laughs) brony jar. Uh, It's It's a lumpy
0: jug. Uh, It looks like. It looks like a grade five student made it.
1: Do you know what's in, in the in the vial in the, the
2: container? Pure liquid evil. What he's been doing, casually, as the toy master, the man who makes toys for Santa, he's got a side hustle, because everybody's gotta have one. So he's got this fucking like Chianti bottle. That looks like it's like, you know, like shitty Italian restaurants where they just burn a million candles in a Chianti bottle. That's what this looks like. And he's like, this is a bottle of distilled evil. I have it and I've been collecting it.
0: The end. (laughs) It's not (laughs) relevant to much. Oh, what did they say? They could maybe put Barnaby's evil in it. That's what there's a little left on
2: the top. (laughs) And if we can get Barnaby's evil, we can seal it in here because I believe that Barnaby maybe has some good left in him. And so we, the audience, think, oh, well, then here's the the shot. (laughs) What they're going to do is they're going to get Barnaby, they're going to take the evil out of him and put it in the thing, and then everything's – and that would make sense. So let's save that. Let's save that for a big list of act three things that do not happen. It's
0: basically the second act of Little Nicky.
2: Yes, but all that matters is now that Barnaby knows that the Toy Master has a bottle of evil for absolutely no fucking reason.
1: (laughs) And he wants it. (laughs) Barnaby's like, oh, I could be so evil if I had all that evil. I I love being evil. Being evil is great.
2: Corey, you bring up a good point. (laughs) Which is what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Barnaby's already
1: evil and yeah. his monsters are already evil and so the toy master just puts the jug back in the cupboard and locks the cupboard and we move on with our
2: lives <laughs> yeah. we cut over to Georgie Porgy who is eating a cookie because of course he is, he's Georgie Porgy and he's a fat guy and that's all fat, us fat guys do but
1: all we're the just- cookies were stolen in that cookie heist
0: so- listeners you can't see it but Josh is eating a cookie right now Hump, hump, hump.
2: <laughs> the noise of <that> cookie makes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute, guys. I forgot Sid. it's in the cellophane, but I eat that too, because I'm too stupid and to fart. A fart! A fart fat and a fat fart. That's me. Cookie eating Joe. Anyways. Uh and Keanu Reeves into it's if you found that cookie at the cookie I can't do Keanu, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. If you do if you found that cookie whoa. at the cookie factory, whoa. Hang on, let me get into it. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right. If you found that cookie, maybe it has friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally his big friends. You gotta go back to the cookie factory
0: and see where the cookie you found is, because there's probably another clue next to it. Well like, all right, let me look at the list here of places we can no, they're you know what? They're playing they're playing like a Phoenix Wright style game and they're like, okay, what we need what what area haven't we searched yet? We better go back and click on everything in the cookie factory now. Yeah. I don't know what else to do. The four of them enter the cookie
2: factory and all split up. Yep. Nope. And meanwhile, fucking Jack and Whack or Crack and Flack or whoever the fuck, they're just standing there waiting. To do evil, they <laughs> could just rip all of their throats out. <laughs> their
3: vampire powers. No, they're
1: like, they I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna get them real good. And they're like up on a balcony, within <laughs> yeah. complete sight lines of the entire factory floor,
0: with a giant like pink lever that they're climbing around around.
2: Georgie Porgie, Cookie Snacker, and uh, Jack Keanu walk into the empty room, and Keanu's like where'd you find the thing? And Jack's like around here, but there's nothing. Or George is like, there's nothing. So Keanu just sort of like walks slowly around the room, slowly, and finally discovers that maybe there is a trap door. And that is when Zach and Flack pull the big lever and Keanu goes, whoop, Sip potatoes right down the big thing and ends up directly (laughs) in Richard Mulligan's underground jail.
1: But Georgie had just left the room to go, I don't know, be outside of the room for a while. And he comes back and he's like, where's Jack? Jack was just here where I left him, just like that cookie I found Mm. on the
2: floor. Oh, well. We go down to Barnaby's Digba prison and Mm. Canu's behind a bunch of wood slats that he could easily just, turn sideways and walk through but
0: look i'm just not gonna no i don't want to see that in a movie i just want to see somebody just like walk out of a poorly constructed (laughs) oh that's all i want in my life i myself would
2: be shit out of luck but a whisper thin lad like 1986 keanu would have just been able to he probably didn't even have to fucking turn sideways that's true he's very
0: he's very sweet and baby-faced and skinny
2: richard mulligan is like evil you know about it? I wrote a song about it and it goes like this. And then he just sings a song about how it's going to be great that even though he's evil, he can have more evil and his monsters can be more evil and they could just roll around evil and be evil. This is the first song that it felt like it was actually written for the
0: movie. And guess what? It's still success. It feels like maybe Richard Mulligan wrote it as he was singing it. me. <laughs> then, then they were like, okay, score this shit. Richard Mulligan just sort, of, just sort of did this And we were good with it
2: He used nascent, uh,
0: whatever that IBM Singify technology is <laughs> Oh god, reason. right Yep. <laughs> so, listen, Richard Mulligan basically did what I do At the beginning of each show Hey, check it out I'm evil, check it out exactly. There's a jar with some evil in it And now I want it, because I can do <laughs> stuff with it Evil, I'm not gonna go into details, just know it's real evil. Keanu Reeves is here,
2: and then he and then he kills Keanu. Nope, he doesn't. He just <laughs> no, let he him, just live. Kind of Let's him live, sits there and waits. Really,
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he's like, I feel like this the capacity of this cell is being underused, so I might just hang around for a while, see if anybody else drops in. But he doesn't <laughs> quite do that. He's like, Well,
2: I have a prisoner, I have an evil plan. It's time to just randomly walk over to old Mother Hubbard's house with some flowers. (laughs) That's right. And be like, hey, Mary, remember I'm sweet on you, even though I put your boyfriend in jail.
1: But Lisa answers the door and is like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely take these flowers and give them to Mary. And then she gives them to Mrs. Hubbard like, hey, Barnaby left these for you. He's got... He's got the hots for you
0: specifically. And she also, when she talks to Barnaby, tries to like talk up old mother Hubbard. She's like, you know, who's, you know, who's age appropriate and hot to trot. I think she's down for it. You should consider it. Basically. She really wants Barnabird to happen. I'm shipping them. <laughs> you can't stop me. She also, at one point says
2: to Richard Mulligan. Yeah. You seem like you're a real devil with the ladies. Uh, at which point I was just like, Shut it. Shut all of this down.
1: (laughs) He's still like talking
2: with his thumbnail. Like,
0: He's like, that's right. My Tinder profile is on fire.
2: And now we add to the list things that this movie sets up that it does not knock over. So in addition to, oh, I've got a little space in this bottle that we can put Richard Mulligan's evil into. The ending that we're working towards we think is that Richard Mulligan will have his evil removed from him, put in the brony jar. And then he and old mother Hubbard become friendos
0: and smooch. And there's a big double wedding or some shit. Friends with benefits. Yes. But this, no, Nope. Um, Nope. Anyway, Georgie shows up in a, in a car and he's like, I've looked literally everywhere, which I believe because Toyland is about three square feet big. Can I? And I am sorry to interrupt, Anna. But I just want to say because we just keep
2: need to remember, keep needing to remember this. Uh, at one point, so uh, Lisa finishes her little spiel. like, "I think the most evil guy in town is into you." And and Eileen Brennan is like, "That's hot as fuck." <laughs> oh, and then they hear, and then they hear a stupid go kart, and she's like, "Oh, maybe that's him now." And then we look, we see it's oh, Georgie. Right. And she goes, "Oh, it's just fatty." This is a thing that happens. Yes. At which point I picked up my TV and threw it out my fat ass window.
0: Well, now you can get a TV with a good Roku on it.
2: Not that anybody deserves this, but I just want to say (laughs) at any size deserves this. He's not even that fucking fat. He really isn't. If I had, if I had his darling little figure, I would be like, Hey, I'm doing okay
0: for myself. It's
2: really not
1: helped by the, his pants coming up to his armpits.
0: <laughs> it's really, it's really not helped by an outfit that's designed to make him look as round as humanly possible. Oh
2: yeah, this guy looks like a grown-up. I'm a bad little boy, like a little yeah. Lord Fauntleroy with a floppy hat, and it's fucking
0: terrible. And I feel bad for that actor. The, yeah. So this is why. I hate the character of Georgie Porgy specifically, is because he's clearly an adult, but he acts like a child, and I hate that. And they so ship much.
1: him with Lisa,
0: who is actually a child. Here's the thing: is Georgie? I mean, I agree with you, Corey, that Georgie is probably into her, but Lisa seems so completely oblivious to like anything that's not plot related. Yeah, you know, she I smiles, and it. I can only assume
1: that she's happy
2: about things.
0: <laughs> she smiles a lot. She seems like she's doing fine.
2: <laughs> I did not pick that up on that at all. And in fact, throughout the whole movie, I was like, Well, at least nobody is objectifying Drew Barrymore. That's yeah. nice. But I I I'm completely it's possible that I missed goo goo eyes that he
0: made. Eh. Oh gross. It's very chaste, if nothing else. I think he just like he I would describe it as Georgie is probably a little sweet on her. Yeah. And doesn't know that sex exists, most likely. Yeah, that's weird and gross. But
1: I choose to believe I... that since this is like canonically the Wizard of Oz version of Jack's <laughs> best friend George and Jack is about to turn 21, George is also 21. And yeah.
0: well, that's not still good. that's awful. That's awful. Let's let's talk about anything else. So, they go to the bowling ball. And that Lisa's like, I'm going to go in the bowling ball and look. And Mary's like, you know what? I haven't done a fucking thing in this entire film. I'm going to go in the bowling ball and look. It's me, Mary. I'm in this movie. Mary just (laughs) discovers agency. Like she just saw, like, she just
2: like got a tweet or something. That's like (laughs) women should have agency. And she goes, Oh neat. All right. I'm going to do a thing then. I'm going to try that for this scene.
0: (laughs) So, There's a gag that they've been doing that we haven't mentioned, but so it's a big bowling ball, but it's really, honestly, it's not really big enough to be a house per se, but they do keep doing shots where like Barnaby and like his two minions are each sticking out of one of the holes. And it's actually quite funny. So Mary goes in and she sticks her head out of one of the holes. And Jen is extremely angry that we don't get to see the inside of the bowling ball. And Mary's like, I looked all over the bowling ball. No, one's here. And she falls down a trapdoor, I guess.
2: And she lands in the prison next to Keanu and they have a smoochy time.
0: Yeah. And they presumably just like make out a shit time whenever Barnaby's not looking or maybe when he is, I don't know. They, he leaves them alone for a while. God only knows what they get up to.
2: Yeah. I think Mulligan sees this as sees, but you're like, ah, I got you. Great. That's great, Jack. You're both going to die. Not right now, but, <laughs> no, you know, nope. at some point, mid 2050
0: of 80 years from now, who's to say? Having crossed off um, one of the interior sets, Lisa and Georgie are like, "Well, there's only one place left to go so they go back to the toy master. <laughs> like we're running out we're running out of sets guys. we can't go back to the cookie factory.
1: Hey, toy master, we really need some help here. Uh, a bunch of our friends are missing now, and we think the evil badman is gonna kill everyone, you know.
0: That sounds like a Lisa problem, not a Toy Master problem. <laughs> but then, but then 2072 seconds later,
2: <laughs> Barnaby shows up. Ha ha! I followed you here, even though I didn't need to because I know where this place is.
0: There's only six like buildings. Could have, could have showed up when nobody else was there besides the Toy Master and made it easy on yourself. He takes the beautiful flask of evil,
2: he has has Trollog tie up everybody, and then is like, well, my work
0: here is done. Trollog, do your worst. Get pecking. Tying them up is a really generous term for loosely wrapping them in, in some skipping ropes that seem easily escapable.
2: Which turns out they are. Trollog uses its big, terrifying beak to start pecking at Drew Barrymore. And Drew Barrymore is like, oh, I know. I'll have it peck at the ropes that are tying my wrists. At which point Trollog goes, oh, okay, well, then I'll just peck out your eyes. Doesn't do that. Uh, Pecks pecks through Drew's restraints. Drew's free. She frees everybody else. And then in what is the number one most disturbing Cronenbergian image in this, they're like, what are we going to do about Trollog? And in my head, I'm like, Maybe Trollog is going to like switch sides and be a good guy. Nope. (laughs) What they do is they get a can of black paint and paint over his fucking eyeball. Directly on the eyeball. Directly on
0: the eyeball. I hated it. And then while
1: Trollog is stumbling around, not able to see anything, they're like, and into this chest (laughs) you go. And they lock the chest.
0: There's a weird bit of dialogue delivery in this scene that... Confused me to to think that Trollog had actually switched sides. He had freed Drew Barrymore intentionally because she gets free, and then Georgie Georgie Porgy is like Trollog, let me free too. And I thought there was a comma there, but he was just trying to distract it. And I was like, oh, Trollog's helping them. I'm like, wait, no, he's not. It would have been nice if Trollog had switched sides. Poor poor blind Trollog, who we never see again after this scene, and probably probably just died of starvation in that trunk.
1: They free the Toy Master. It was like, now will you help us? Now that you've been
2: assaulted in your own home?
0: Mm. Again, Again, no.
2: Here's the thing, you guys. I'm old and you're young. And it's the job of the young to fight the battles of the old. And I was like, okay, boomer. Uh, You know, it's just like, well, I fucked everything up, but I'm creaky. So, and also, Pat Morita at this point, I don't know, he's probably in his late 50s, maybe? He's not even that old? <laughs> he
0: doesn't look that old. <laughs> he just seems pretty spry when he's doing his, his really... Bad song number later, and again we think, oh, okay, but this is the point where Toy Master, because
2: he's the Toy Master, is like, oh, maybe he's gonna do some like Q shit, and not the Q that's like JFK Jr. is coming back, like JFK, <laughs> like Q, like Q from James Bond. Uh, oh,
0: I thought he was Q like, from Star Trek. Now, definitely no, the, of,
1: the technology. Because I feel like
0: Q from Star Trek could absolutely bring back JFK Jr. Wow.
2: Now, well, that's <laughs> sorry. A, the fanfic writes itself. <laughs> Oh, my God. they've derailed things slightly. You know that fanfic exists, by the way, right? Somebody it would some, have to. Some Q nutbag must have been like, "That's it's all tied in,
0: Q from, we, we've got this. You can do anything. They like to call themselves Q-tips. Wait, no, that's the line you call when you have tips for Q.
3: No,
1: that's the nickname of the young Q. That gets, anyways. Uh, so you would
2: think the Toy Master would be like, all right, well, you're going to go fight the bad guy. Here's this doll. Inside its head is a sleeping potion. And here's this toy gun. It's actually just a real ass gun. It's a <laughs> knife that
1: glows <laughs> in the presence of gets trolls, jam. you know? Right. And literally anything.
2: So we do one of those harsh children's safety scissor cuts. And now uh, Georgie Porgy and Drew Barrymore are working or walking towards the uh, the edges of town because they're going to go into the day for night forest Drew Barrymore has a pink baseball bat and Georgie Porgy has a pink wrench everything's
0: pink in this movie for no good reason except for the cop bear's beaten stick true and it's not guys it's not a nice pink it's an unpleasant pink it's like that
2: one sad section of true value hardware where they're like and here are the lady tools <laughs> yeah. Like honestly I think Mattel has a copyright on this pink
0: like, <laughs> yeah it's like pepto abysmal pink but not as nice
2: but again I can't stress this enough it's just like our heroes are going into battle and they all they have are just like melee instruments just blunt ass instruments yeah that are just like well okay oh. we, we've and got it's a like stick.
1: we checked everywhere in town they must be in the evil bad forest that you don't <laughs> okay, go into because
2: everyone who goes there dies <laughs> police bear tries to stop them oh, right. and they're like yeah we're not going to be stopped and police bear is like oh I'm All right fine. Goodbye. I'm just going to look angry about it. Yeah. Or, well, I'm not going to look angry about it. I'll wave my hands by my head because of course, none of these costumes are facially articulated. (laughs) So that's just like as a side nightmare. It's just a lot of cold dead eyes to look into a lot. I'll make a super cut of just reaction shots of stuffed animal heads that make (laughs) no reactions because they're terrifying. And there's a lot of B roll of stuffed animal heads, just looking dead eyed into the camera. Yeah. Yeah. They go into the day for night forest and it's just, it's just a forest. There's nothing special about
0: it. There's some creepy monsters that moan. Ooh. We
2: see their eyes. We see their flat, literal, just two, two like, you know, grips holding flashlights. Like, <laughs> zoop, swap. That's the sound of eyes going back and forth, by the way. <laughs> uh, and I found myself thinking, like, and now these two are gonna have an adventure in the forest. Gets like, they're gonna, they're gonna fight like the RAUSs or some shit. Something's gonna happen, but they're just like, man, this forest sure is spooky. Trapdoor. Does you ever get tired of being wrong? Forty-nine years and counting. No. Uh,
1: <laughs> Every trapdoor has a slide.
2: Yep. That yep.
1: That goes to this one prison cell underground.
2: Yep. Yep. So now yep. all of our heroes are in the prison
0: cell underground.
1: And Barnaby has the evil jar. Yeah. He's about to enact his evil plan.
0: <laughs> He's gonna turn those guys evil and then and then Lisa is gonna be his new trollog because she ruined the original one. <laughs> He's gonna have to look into her giant eye from now
2: on. And this was his plan. He opens the bot this, you know, this wonderful, miraculous bottle of evil and just <laughs> Fucking just waves it around like a glow stick at a rave or some shit. And just it fills the entire uh, underground layer with evil particles. Just green smoke. By which you mean, there's a green overlay on the screen. There's a green overlay on the screen. I guess Mulligan and all the monsters now leave for a second to just go be evil somewhere
0: else. They take off so that they don't have to watch thing watch them turn evil. Uh, maybe actually, maybe they take off because they know they're about to sing the Cincinnati song again, and they don't want to have to. Be <laughs> oh yeah, no, no spoilers
1: because it's like so- oh, there's smoke. Don't breathe it in, everybody. I'm just going to yell a lot about how you shouldn't be breathing right
0: now. (laughs) Don't breathe it in. Oh, my God. Don't. Don't. Don't breathe it in.
2: Now. Now. (laughs) First thing we learn is that Lisa, because she is not from this land, uh, is impervious to evil fart dust. (laughs) Yep. 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 So so she's Checks fine. Out. She's keeping she's keeping she's staying frosty. She's keeping a head on her shoulders. Uh and she so her first her first plan, as as we said, was to tell her friends, don't breathe. That's an on-starter. Um <laughs> and, and so now we think like, oh, okay, it's 1986. Maybe we'll see some like weird transformation effects or something where the her <laughs> friends begin <laughs> to turn into monsters and blah blah blah.
1: What if mm. Jack just sat on the ground and started going,
0: oh, oh. (laughs) And that is exactly what happens. This is basically like when my niece and nephew pretend to be monsters and chase me around. (laughs) Except not as cute. This is one of two moments that absolutely
2: reminded me of (laughs) of unstructured play. Uh, The other (laughs) one is coming up. (laughs)
1: I was like Jack, you have to resist. <laughs> Remember what's good in the world—good
2: like Cincinnati. Let's all sing the Cincinnati song that we all know. Well, she starts singing it, and they start going like they are all making. Uh, they're all making Tim Allen noises. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cincinnati. Uh. Uh. We'll Oh know. um, Everyone knows the words. Everyone <laughs> sings along. Even Georgie porgy who, because he loves eating, really ate all of the dust, and so he's the last one to be like, some humu. he's a Cincinnati."
0: <laughs> he has the voice of an angel.
2: So, yeah,
1: the egg timer goes off. Barnaby shows up expecting his, his new goon squad to be ready. And he's brought all of his other trolls with him. We're like,
2: Ugh. So our our team is like, this is, and this is fine. This is a fine, bright idea. This they're like, absolutely
0: pre- great. This is
2: cro- screenwriting it's a cromulent, 101. Cromulent plan. Let's just pretend we're monsters. And so they're all like, let us out. We're monsters now. How do you think? I love you, Master. You're so handsome and smart. We're so evil. Whoa! So Mulligan opens the door and he's like, "This is great that you're evil." And Keanu punches (laughs) Mulligan dead in the face, which is exceptionally satisfying.
3: Like
1: I expected this to go on like throughout the plan that Barnaby was about to go into, where they would like be with the crowd and be like, "Oh, we're zombies with the other zombies."
0: Oh, you mean like Shaun of the Dead?
2: Yes. Yeah, thing. and again i almost want to watch the two and a half hour version because it feels like every time a call to adventure is set up 42 seconds later they fall through a trap door and it's over maybe this is anti-narrative like anti-comedy this is very deep this is a very deep
0: piece This is an unsung genius piece of anti-narrative that was foisted on the children of America in the hopes that they would break the shackles of expecting things to happen just because you talk about them. We are going to start this
2: entire podcast over again and talk about this as a lost genius of non-linear storytelling. (laughs) I,
0: I considered pretending that I thought this was a wonderful Christmas gift of a film, a real treasure for my childhood. And I did not understand why you two didn't like it, but I didn't think I could keep that going for two hours. They escape.
2: It's funny. You don't have, we don't have to keep this. I had a bit that I came up for, for Marine Express where I just decided I was going to pretend that mustache guy was the hottest guy in the movie and just talk (laughs) about, and just talk about how sexy he was for the whole thing. You talking
1: about daddy Walrus?
2: I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. No. It's too <laughs> much, right? It's such a commitment. Yeah, it, it just didn't, <laughs> I didn't I didn't I also didn't believe it in my heart.
1: Our heroes stay ahead <laughs> of the shambling herd, somehow through the tunnels, they find the staircase that leads up to the, the cookie factory. So now they're in town.
2: Yeah. And now it's war. It's war for the... uh, Mulligan's like, now it's war. And he takes the flask and he smashes it. And all the evil escapes. And they're still the same amount of evil. There's no appreciable difference. I hate this so much. I don't understand. I hate it. Mulligan! Barnaby wants to take over Toyland, which he effectively already seems to run. And then take over the world which is a forest full of monsters who runs toyland oh if this if this ended in a thunderdome i would be so happy
0: <laughs> what with like 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 a like a horrible horrible duck costume person with like a tiny teddy bear with a chainsaw on the
2: back well i would watch inst- that you have you have your assignment. Please draw Toyland as Town. <laughs> the winner will get oh, something from one of stop us. Stop promising <laughs> people things. <laughs> eventually somebody's going to... I have not in my shit, but house.
1: It's like, hey, audience, can you see yourself in a brand <laughs> new go-kart? <laughs>
0: <laughs> can, can you see yourself with the... A- Criterion Collection DVD version of the Royal Tannenbaums? <laughs> I have that without a case. I have the Blu-ray copy, so I have the DVD to oh, there give away to any That's- if anybody ever came over to my house. They could look at my my selection of DVDs that they can take home with them if they want to. Let's land this plane. All right, we're sure. almost done here. Oh, uh, we're so close.
2: So now we. So now Richard Mulligan is like. I smell uh, sugar and spice and everything nice. That means Drew Barrymore is here, which means he is tracking her by her scent, which I found to be the creepiest thing that I hate in this movie. Mm, I managed to miss that.
1: Have we have we explained that the underground tunnels are like full of swamp gas? Yes. There's like venting no, steam all the time. And it's, the walls are clearly dank.
0: It's, it's not a nice place. So we see a
2: little more of underground town because our heroes are running, running, running. They come up to a chasm. And again, I even thought to myself, oh, God. And now, right. and now it's adventures time. Oh. Now they're going to have some adventures in the underground. Instead, here's what happens there's a chasm that appears to be, I would say, maybe a, a two, five, two feet, two to five feet, jumpable.
0: Certainly jumpable.
2: Certainly jumpable. And a perfectly reasonable, strong vine between the two. So Keanu <laughs> just gets everybody across and then they're across. And that's the adven- end of our adventure.
1: No. Adventure not is quite, anathema to this Oh, film. no. I sorry, mean, sorry. The, you said the
2: vine's strong, but you know, Georgie Pordy's fat, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, I don't my know God. I, knew I knew forgot it.
2: because nobody, he wasn't eating. Look, Corey, it's an honest mistake. <laughs> he wasn't eating anything and nobody took a moment to go. Oh, man, Georgie, your shit's fat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, like, Keanu takes both girls across separately on separate trips in his arms, and then (laughs) swings the vine back to Georgie, and Georgie's like, But what if it breaks?
0: I need a five-minute monologue about how I'm fat and scared.
1: Oh, yeah, they find Uh, the the steps up to the cookie factory. They run through the cookie factory. They get in their cars.
2: Yes, they block the trap door with a feather yeah. and a copy of, uh, you know, a phone book from a very small town and a piece of dust, a mouse's whisker, and a
0: bag of nothing. <laughs> copy, copy of Simulations by John Boulterard. Yes. Oh. The joke there is that it's, it's, it's a very short book. Anyway. They block it with nothing and they run
2: there like, yeah. that'll hold them. And then no, the monsters are like. Nope, absolutely not. We just push that right up.
1: You know how there's not many streets in Toyland.
2: (laughs) Yep, it's hard to have a car chase in Toyland. I really want to talk about this. I this is this is the moment where I was like, this is why this movie failed because (laughs) they. (laughs) Please go on. I'm so mad. It 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 reminded me of nothing else than the opening and closing credits of the Banana Splits uh TV show where we see our heroes in cars just driving around some six flags that the Barbera brothers got the you know the right to drive around and they just sort of drive in circles and wave and that is I'm so mad. I'm trying to put this in the best words. The the thing is is that when you have a car chase and you have a limited set and limited real estate to drive around. What you need to do is you need to like set up interesting camera angles that make it look like what they're doing. Is like driving around and taking hairpin turns, and you, put real, you go real close on somebody's face, and you have them lean and go, ah, <laughs> and then you do the car behind them, and you do a master shot of the car, and then you do a shot of the close-up face, and they lean, and they go, ah, too, and you see two cars taking a turn. What if
1: he just had like one real big wide <laughs> shot that made it really yeah. obvious? Because you can see like four or five cars in it at the same time. And it's like bumper cars, but it's also like they're just driving around the same building over and over again. And then Barnaby's going the other direction is like, oh, no, I might collide with this oncoming vehicle. And then he passes between them. And then they do that like five times.
0: And what if you robbed it of any sense of
2: actual speed? This is the fault of the editor. And this is the fault of the cinematographer. The director turned to the cinematographer and said, how do you see this shot? And the cinematographer said, let's just lock off the camera and have them do donuts.
1: <laughs> let's take lunch <laughs> while they're while they're driving. You
0: know? <laughs> oh. Here they have digestives of the craft services.
2: Table oh, oh <laughs> did you not hear? It's me, Clive Donner again. I'm just <laughs> here to tell you, they have the most smashing digestive pickies <laughs> run right over craft services. All of you drive around action or whatever. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I think Zach and Mac also F off for part of this just to go get yeah. a bite to eat. So it's just Barnaby versus the good guys. And oh, the good no, guys they're are like cars. high five
2: Well, they come back
0: oh, so yeah. that, you know, they can crash into Barnaby. At, a, at approximately one mile per hour.
2: Here is now the worst part. Here is the, because it's like, because it says in the script, there's a car chase around town, <clears throat> things happen, and finally our heroes outwit Barnaby and Zach and Jack and Mac and Flack and who Roberta Flack and they and, and there's and Robert Stack, Jimmy Mack. when are you coming back? <laughs> and then there's a big three car pileup, and the way that they sh- so again this is like it's editing 101. If the ultimate shot in your suite of shots is a three car pileup, the shot that precedes it cannot be the three cars that get into the three car pile up <laughs> driving past each other this is literally
1: but this quit, is what if accidentally one of the drivers makes eye contact the other driver is like yeah okay now yeah and then just kind
2: of scoots slowly into into the side of them that happens before it's the weirdest shit there's like a little there's a pre fender bender and then I swear to God, go back and look. The last <laughs> shot before the pileup, Mulligan's going one way, freaking Fracker going the other way. They pass each other. The camera pulls up to nothing. Yeah. We hear a crash. And then the next shot is the three car pileup. It because- is the worst edited thing I have ever seen in a motion picture. <laughs> and I hope everybody who made this is
0: embarrassed <laughs> and furious. I'm sure, so she- furious about this. <laughs> Surely there's at least, Josh, surely there must at least be like a hubcap that goes rolling off into the distance to show impact of some kind. You do, or you do close shots again, Dutch angle
2: close shots yeah, yeah. of Mulligan yeah. going, ah, with his yeah. hands up and flip yeah. and flop, yeah. flop going, bleh, and yeah. then they all crash into
0: like, each other. Maybe
1: while the camera's not on, you, you, you grab one of the ghost cars and so maybe like shot, flip yeah. it over or something to make it appear it's like.
0: So many options.
1: Something serious <laughs> happened.
2: So now yeah. Richard Mulligan has the, which I believe to be the only funny line in the movie. He says, Well, I'm through. Enough being subtle. And I was like,
0: <laughs> and yeah, It's pretty subtle. Richard Mulligan, you know. I'm just going let the monsters out of the barn now. Yeah. <laughs> the barn full of monsters that was set up earlier. Our heroes go to the Toy Master and go, Toy Master, for the
2: love of fucking God, do (laughs) Do literally anything. Something,
1: and he does. He sings a song about
0: how children should have childhoods. Oh no! Before that, he blames everything on Drew Barrymore. This is like the result
2: of the equation that we've been setting up and plotting throughout the whole movie, which is Drew Barrymore does not act like a child. Drew Barrymore wants a blender instead of a sled drew barrymore doesn't want to be referred to as a kid blah 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 and and basically pat marita the toy master says i wish i could do something but the problem is is that as long as there's one person in
0: this building <laughs> who doesn't believe in toys so lisa if you could just step outside for just one minute it just yeah just looks at her just one second here if you could just Just pop right on out
2: What's the the exact line? Toy Master says something like I can't do anything until one person here believes in toys because she was never really a child. Life made her grow up too fast and then everybody else is like, oh my god Lisa, that's you. You were never allowed a childhood. You had to grow up and make decisions as an adult You, Lisa, aka Drew Barrymore a girl who is going to be (laughs) put into rehab because her mother let her do drugs at Studio 54 And you, Drew Barrymore, never had a childhood. At this point, I had to pause it and just sort of stare out the window for 20 (laughs) minutes. I have never felt worse for a human being than I felt for Drew Barrymore, who had to stand there and have a bunch of her peers say, you're failing us because you don't have a childhood. You're a weird little adult person whose soul has Mm. been crushed. I've never read any of Barrymore's autobiographies or memoirs or whatever, I would be really curious to know how hmm. this scene landed on her as a human, because it is fucking harrowing.
0: And every copy of this should be set on fire for
2: that scene. Well,
0: and then the worst part is that then they start playing fast car over the soundtrack.
2: <laughs> and everybody looks off
0: into the middle distance for four minutes. Terrible. It is... So, it's such a weird, it
2: made me super duper mad. Man, and I'm still mad about it. Then they sing a
0: song like, yeah, yeah, you don't have a child. (laughs) Uh, You're probably on cocaine right now. The thing about this song is like all the songs in the movie, it's terrible and forgettable. But also, they've clearly dubbed Pat Morita's singing voiceover, from what I can tell, but they've dubbed Pat Morita's singing voiceover by with somebody else who also can't sing. Um, and they do this to Barrymore <laughs> as well. I th- that's I can't imagine that's her singing.
1: I think she gets credit in at least one of the songs in the oh, yeah? soundtrack. Yeah,
2: it shows what I know. I mean, it's terribly
0: dubbed. I mean, it sounds like Beijing, <sighs> Mister Herman. Um, yes. But, uh... So so anyway, then we come to the part of the movie that I hated the most. <laughs> Lisa's like, you're right. I have been forced to grow up. I never was a child. But but I remember being a child. And I remember I loved my teddy. And everyone's like, yeah, your teddy. You loved your and everybody says fucking teddy so many times and I hate it and I want it to die. And if this had been
2: set up at the beginning of the movie, and again, who knows, in the three hour and 45 minute Mm. version, maybe there's a little more of a scene between Mary and Lisa where Mary's like, it's so weird that you don't like toys. You know, you had that bear when you were like little, little, and you loved that bear and took it everywhere with you. Something, (laughs) something, literally anything.
1: At the very start of the movie, when she's reading the cookbook, the teddy bear is there obscuring the shot slightly.
0: <laughs> yeah that's not it not and enough the teddy bear does come back right at the end but it doesn't matter. yes who cares oh no anyway totally. they have an awful conversation about her teddy bear and she rekindles the magic of her belief in toys
2: although she hasn't had a problem
0: with it the whole fucking time what is the belief in toys is it like the desire to play with toys because she is 11 and none of these things are appropriate to her age group
2: it's so weird because he he literally says the words like she has to be- you have to believe in toys and Toyland. And again, if this movie wanted to make any choices, then you have <laughs> you set up Drew Barrymore's character at the beginning as they have, which is she takes care of her family and she has no to- she has put away her childish things. She gets to Toyland and then you have her character be like All right. Well, obviously I have been knocked the fuck out or I am dead or something. None of this is real. You're all a bit of an underdone potato or whatever. This is my occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. My brain is being (laughs) choked of oxygen, blah, blah, blah. And then you have her do that through the movie. You do that as a runner where it's like, well, if this were real, I would be very concerned or literally anything. So at this last moment, she has this realization like, oh, no, I have made friends with these people and my friendship with them is very real. And this is such a wonderful, magical world. And everyone in this wonderful, magical world except the bad guy has embraced me. And that's wonderful. And even though these toys are like sh- like shitty toy soldiers and old bears and fucking sp- dancing knee sp- spoon man guy or
0: whatever the fuck. <laughs> I mean I kind of like that one. <laughs>
2: that little Jingo Jango guy who you yeah. like Chucka janga on your knee. The little wooden guy had yeah. a stick. He's like yeah, anyways. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a yeah, fun Quebec Quebecois carnival kind of toy. I had one of those. It was great.
2: They have the
1: acrobatic guy that goes over the yeah. pole. It spins.
0: But, but yes, again, none exactly. of the, no child in 1986 would pull this out of their stocking or whatever and be like, "Oh boy!" But you see her cynicism yes. go away because she's not Dorothy. She's not just
2: trying no. to get home. She's just here, and it's just like you watch her modern 1986 cynicism melt away, mm. and then by the end, she's like, "I, you know what? I have worked too hard, and that's how you honestly earn this moment." they don't do that. And if it sounds like I'm being too hard on this 1986 really. dumb decade production, it's because I'm not that good of a writer. What I'm <laughs> pitching is not brilliant. It is literally the base minimum of what you do to have a character, have an arc. Grr. What happens next is actually uh, terrifying and atrocious.
1: <laughs> 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 All of the Wooden toy soldiers come to life begin marching from the toy shop doom, doom, while doo, outside do, we see the do, do, trolls do, 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 coming do, do, out of the barn. Okay. And the townsfolk are like putting whatever detritus they can into a barrier.
0: <laughs> Including Jack in the Box Man. But I'm like, oh, that's nice. They're saving him. And like, nope, using him as an ineffective barrier. Oh. <laughs> but During this period, also, throughout the movie, Humpty
2: Dumpty is one of the characters oh, God, in Droyland. Fuck. A oh. person... A person in a Humpty Dumpty outfit, you might ask? No, a Humpty Dumpty mannequin that they just move from place to place. So at one point during the final battle, it's like a couple people are looking out from beside a building and then they just cut you know what Humpty Dumpty has the same facial expression as Otto the autopilot from airplane so imagine that frozen grinning death rictus and they just prop up Humpty Dumpty in different places to give the idea that he is alive but he is not so we just (laughs) look at his cold dead eyes as he's peeking out from behind being (laughs) like oh it looks like the monsters are coming I wouldn't know I'm just a thing (laughs)
1: Yeah, and that lion with the jersey is there and it's very confusing. Yeah. I
0: love like again, my favorite character in the film is it was the lion in the jersey that definitely shouldn't be there.
2: And during one point uh I this is this is what you get for watching a movie twice. Uh you get terror. I'm sorry. The uh the toy soldiers are walking by the screen, like a three-quarter shot of them from the waist up. And one of them, they're uh <laughs> The headpiece and their mask don't quite match. So you see their very human skin, their very human oh, no. neck poking out through behind the costume. Ooh. And again, we now only can believe that the Toy Master not only <laughs> <laughs> has been keeping just fucking a pile of life-size wooden soldiers stacked like cordwood in his closets they're people these are humans yeah. these are humans who are being forced to wear and uh again if you're going to do that then you know fucking. as said, three years later we are four years later we get the little mermaid And the little mermaid has that plot where it's like, here are all these things in a house. They're singing and dancing. They used to be people, but they had an enchanted spell put on them. I think you might be talking about beauty and the beast. You're right. Beauty and the beast. My mistake. (laughs) Beauty and the beast. But again, this is a thing that's in fairy tales. People get turned into things. You land Drew Barrymore in Toyland and you go, oh, that's weird that all these animals are walking and talking around. It's like, well, there used to be people, but then Barnaby or whoever cast his spell and now they're walking and they're trapped in toy bodies. And then at the end of the movie, the spell is broken and they're just people again. But instead, you get these (laughs) weird, you're just like, I'm not, I'm supposed to believe these aren't actors in outfits, but they really do look like it and i can see that man's neck some of the trolls some of
1: the shambling mess also have the neck problem but some of them have it mm-hmm. worse so you can actually see like their mouth while they're making like the oh, moaning noise no. like oh I- <laughs> and uh the toy soldiers have functional guns
0: yeah, yes. but the, it's, like the, it's like, well, arguably, I mean, they make smoke. They're the A-Team slash G.I.
2: Joe guns, which is to say they don't <laughs> have bullets in them. They What they do is they make the ground a foot in front of you, go poof, and then you mm-hmm. go,
0: ah, and that's it. The toy soldiers rounding up the monsters for like five hours mm-hmm. uh, re- kind of reminded me of the end of the major motion picture toys starring Robin Williams, a where a whole bunch of wind up oh. toys ineffectively try to fight some, some better toys that have lasers except that the toy soldiers are actually able to round anybody
1: up and they have cannons that also do the smoke poofy thing but you know within the reality <laughs> of the film <laughs> these are real guns that work and real cannons that work and the are toy you soldiers sure? are doing actual real murder
0: are you sh- I don't see any of those monsters fall down they just run they just <laughs> shamble away uh, the whole time barnaby's like hiding behind stuff and just telling the monsters to like do something because all they do is really like they're just basically doing a little parade down down Main Street. If everybody got out of their way, it would just be no problem.
1: The part that upsets me is that we know about the trapdoor and the Cookie Factory, so we know if they get forced into the Day for Night Woods, they can just go down one trapdoor an and pop back up another one right in the middle of town.
0: Somebody has to be underground to run the trapdoor system. So if there's nobody down uh, there, they're effectively locked out of it.
2: Oh, and also I'm sure Keanu's going to go back to the factory and put a pamphlet about uh, tourist <laughs> attractions in Cincinnati on top of the trapdoor.
1: Yeah. That
2: yeah. should do it. Ah, got this. Uh, oh, look, it's a recipe for that weird Cincinnati chili. I'll put that right here too. Spaghetti. That can't be right. I'm surprised that didn't make the song quite frankly. And our chili <laughs> is weird. Um, it's delicious by the way.
3: I think
1: at this point, Lisa decides to use words instead of violence.
0: and then barnaby decides to murder her (laughs) he's having none of it and he just like grabs her by her throat yeah he's like you know what i haven't tried murder yet maybe that's on the menu and it doesn't work it doesn't work because keanu like stops him and then he tries to kill keanu which definitely doesn't work because he's an old man and he can't do things
2: so they all get shoved out into the day for Night Forest and all of the things that we thought might've happened, is the bowling ball gonna roll down the hill? It absolutely mm-hmm. will not. Is Mulligan gonna be turned from, will his switch on his back get switched from <laughs> evil to good? No, it does not. Does anything happen? No, it does
0: not. He, and they he just- He might get murdered by monsters in the forest because now they know that, because Drew Barrymore told them that he's the one who made them evil and now they don't like him so they might- rent him limb from limb, but who cares? There's one more thing, but like, basically
2: the bad guys are banished, the wedding happens. Somebody's getting married today. We all wish you the happiest (laughs) wedding every other holiday. This isn't really a Christmas movie. Except Santa's
0: here. It's Santa! Jack doesn't dress up for his wedding. He's wearing his regular clothes and Mary's got a wedding dress and it's just extremely rude. Thank you, the toy triarchy. Oh, and Mother Hubbard like starts macking on Judge Grimm. Because fine, because any you but know she any... likes a, she likes any old man who crosses her path. Yep, any port in a story. She's like, I never liked that Barnaby anyway. I prefer somebody with a little more judicial power. No. She's gonna look, all
2: she's looking to do is
0: fetch a bone. Uh, and <laughs> she just needs that D. It's not her fault. She's got a vitamin D deficiency. The B the B needs the D. <laughs> right. Uh, well, this has been terrible.
2: Okay, so the <laughs> wedding happens, and then we see Santa's sleigh, and then we see who Santa is, and it's the Toy Master! He's what? Santa too! Oh my god! Is that
0: what's happening? What a I, twist!
2: We Are, are we sure
0: that's what's happening? 100%. Just, you know what? Okay, so right.
1: earlier in the thing, Toy Master looks at Barnaby and is like, did Santa not give you enough presents for Christmas? So this entire time he's been playing,
2: like, he's not Santa. Gaslighting us. I will say this one thing in a little segment I like to call Fair Enough, 1986. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yeah. NBC cast an Asian guy as Santa Claus, canonically. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. And it doesn't seem like there was any bullshit about it. Yeah. Good enough. Good He's enough, 1986. Santa. He's just Santa. All right. All right,
0: 1986. Nicely Great. done. Hey, guys. Where did you think Toyland was? Did you think it was maybe in space? Because that appears to be where it is. Because Santa's like, hey, I guess we'll take the Milky Way to Earth to deliver these toys. So presumably it's in like some other galaxy.
2: Right. Santa's, Santa lives in the North Pole. But what he has done <laughs> is that he has it's I guess it's cheaper. There are like tariffs or something or whatever. <laughs> tax breaks in Munich. <laughs>
0: there's all there's bumbles to deal with. there's this always there's get, this guy trying to jump your cocoa claim all the time. it's awful.
2: or Toyland is also the North Pole, but it's not snowy there. I don't know. Uh, this is a track. So Drew goes in the sleigh
0: and we get mm-hmm. a shot of Drew flying through space. It's an ama- it's amazing. It's definitely not a backdrop that was <laughs> blue screened
1: and then. Lisa wakes up and she's hugging her teddy bear on the couch. And everyone in her family is around her, like, oh, thank God. We didn't want to take you to a doctor, but we thought you were dead. Boy, I
0: sure did have a question about that. (laughs) There's a blizzard, Josh. A
2: child. Blizzard. Was thrown from (laughs) a moving car and (laughs) was on a sled, a thing designed to go down a snowy hill. as quickly as possible (laughs) and crashed the back of her head where you keep a lot of parts of your brain
1: (laughs) into a tree and she was unconscious so they took her home and
2: just laid her on the couch we better let her sleep this off if there's one thing I know about brain injuries and head injuries maybe she (laughs) she's just uh, 15 minutes later she dies she's
0: like oh god <laughs> she's like she's then she wakes up she's delirious she's talking nonsense about toyland and she, then she falls asleep again and just never wakes up
1: i expected her to be like i had a dream and you were there and you were there and right. you were there but she's mostly just like oh it's so he- i'm so glad to see you all
0: well here's the thing is they have the same names in toyland as they do in the real world so yes, the differentiation yeah. is lost on them right that and so
2: that's one other thing by the way is that Drew Barrymore when she lands and she meets she meets George Jack and Mary who oh, look like, yeah and it's not like the Wizard of Oz where they're all wearing like shit on their faces that make them look <laughs> different than the people that they are no they're just they're dumb faces and they're just like I just but I wear a hat and I have curly little boy hair I'm a bad little boy oopsies big I have a big
0: Wally pop
2: and I sit on a big
0: walking horse <laughs> you know mary you remind me a little bit of my sister mary That's uh, probably nothing oh gosh i know
2: i threw my thing away nope and then that's it that's it that's, that's, it. that's, the, it. that's end. the end
0: it was all just a dream but wait there's a there's a wooden soldier and it salutes so was it
1: yeah that was creepy cuz right. now this wooden soldier that's alive in her house <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was like, "Oh my god!" I hope that soldier winks, and then it saluted, and I was like, "That's not that." No, I wanted that. I wanted to wink. I forget where it is in the thing,
2: but there is also a point where, "Oh my god!" I think it was when Drew and the Toy Master were singing the song about like, "I'm a child and I like childish things and I don't like doing rails at Studio Fifty Four. I like toys." Uh, And there is a shot of one of the wooden soldiers with a single tear running down his face, which is also super
0: fucking creepy okay here's a theory what if the evil that the toy master's been collecting is just his own evil because he keeps turning people into gross
2: toys you know by the way that supports my brony jar theory so like yes i know yeah uh, i know it's terrible. You know, friends, throughout this, uh, throughout the few episodes we've done so far, I have tried to keep a positive attitude. I have tried to be like, you know what? This was terrible, but it engaged me or something like peanut butter solution. Certainly, I've never seen anything like it. Marine Express, I genuinely enjoyed and I think about it all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, everything else that we've watched, I've been like, it's either been good or I've been able to get through it. This is a real piece of shit. And I think it might also be against the law. It is so, this is so bad. You should, you absolutely should not watch it in any capacity. It is bad, bad, bad. The only thing that stops it from being an actual literal war crime is that the actors in it, do the absolute best they can but it is it ranges from terrible to the scene where they are all basically yelling at drew barrymore saying you're not a child you had your childhood robbed from you uh it is uh, it's fucking despicable and i hate it this is a this was real real shitty shit
0: what did you what did you two think <laughs> Cory, you go ahead, and then I'll try to defend myself.
1: I watched this with my friend, Az, and at the end, Az was like, Does your friend Anna hate you? Oh, question. And then son? I discovered the, the director's cut version, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe that would explain some of the bad cuts, and maybe there's like, maybe. some good information and stuff. Maybe I should watch the longer version. And then I was like, no, what if I don't? Yeah. What if I just move on with my life and go down a giant Wikipedia hole about this songwriter?
2: Mm. Who's amazing. There's a lot of it is just and I think that's the thing that makes me maddest is that I know I didn't look up the cinematographer because uh, I knew I would just be mad and find his grave, dig it up and kick him in the nuts. Uh, but uh, or whatever's left. Nuts? His skeleton, uh, skeleton nuts. Yeah. Um, like how
1: the the dollar
2: store skeletons have like boobs and stuff or ears.
0: Yeah. Oh, sure, sure, sure.
2: No, it's terrible. And it is exactly the kind of childhood entertainment that makes kids not like movies and TV and wonder (laughs) and joy and Christmas. It's against everything I stand for. I
0: hate it. I'm sorry. Anna, what'd you think? So- obviously i chose this i remembered I, I mean i watched it when i was a kid i i don't know if i watched it multiple times or not i legit can't remember my memory of, of the whole thing was real spotty um i definitely watched the full length version because i watched it when it came on i might have taped it and watched it again in retrospect i think i may have watched it because i thought mary was cute because you know i was 10. And Mary's pretty cute. I think also because Drew Barrymore was like basically the same age as me. And I like Drew Barrymore. The original premise of, of what we're going to do for this podcast was specifically sharing childhood things that other others hadn't seen. And I saw this pop up on a torrent, and I'm like, okay, this is good. This is a partially remembered thing from my childhood. I don't remember it being especially good, but it'll probably be something. And it's not anything. It's bad. At best, it's bland, Um, but it is indicative of the kind of shit that I had to watch when I was a kid. Oh, yeah.
1: And I'm sorry you had to grow up so fast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right? Like... You know, we, we we give current children's entertainment a lot of shit for being full of, like, unnecessarily, like, like, covers of pop songs and stuff like that. But honestly, like, I still think that's probably more fun for a kid to watch something that's, like, unnecessarily hyperactive than something that's just a dull trudge through Munich land. Well, the thing is, is that because,
2: you know, this is like 1986 and ca- there's cable TV at this point, but it's still, mm-hmm. it's not like the vast kind of 10,000 channel wasteland and blah, blah, blah. So, and this is a, this is a Dave Melito theory. He's one of my dearest friends in the world. Uh, he and I grew up watching Jack
0: and the Beanstalk, uh, which by the way, you're never allowed to make fun of again, because this was way worse. I know. <laughs> I, this, you know what?
2: Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. I lowered, you know what? I lowered the bar about as far as it can go.
2: Damolino has this theory that, and that in the early days, and in the mostly pre-Cable, but then sort of extending into like, all right, but there's still not a lot of channels. That things that were made for primetime entertainment had to in a way be for everybody like you couldn't mm-hmm. just have a thing that was for kids the, the the example that he uses is the Paul Lind Halloween special which has like some characters from Happy Days and uh, the witch from uh, the witch from H.R. Uh, Puffin stuff and mm-hmm. like a Foxy Babe for the dads and then Kiss for the teenagers and none of it makes sense and none of them should be in the same room together but it's like like there's only one TV and there's only right. one channel at a time. And so as a result, a lot of stuff has this like sort of this corrugated homogenized blandness because it's just like, literally we have to make sure that this has something for every member of the family who's watching this, unless they like being entertained.
0: <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Cause you got Drew Barrymore to like hook in the kids who like DT you got, Keanu Reeves, who's all dreamy for the for the teens. You've got Richard Mulligan, who everybody loves from Empty Nest, I guess. Like that. Yeah. And then you've got this like sort of dreary, inexpensive trudge through a moderately priced fantasy mm-hmm. Wonderland. I cannot overstate how obvious it is that they did not have enough money to make the film that this could have been like just how cheap it fucking looks like it just and how they don't cover it up at all well like it's just like when i say there's only four interior sets it's not a joke there's four interior sets it's yeah for something that was shown in like prime time as like a christmas entertainment on a major channel by like it was produced by Orion T- television. I mean, it's like they're 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 a company that could put money into a thing. And they presumably shot it on the cheap anyway because it was in Munich. And you can't tell that they saved any money. But God only knows what it will look like otherwise. Like, I don't know. Ugh. Here's the worst part for me.
2: Reading on the Wikipedia. that So it was, you know, it was a miniseries here in the States, in North America, it sounds like. Uh, mm. And it was cut down to the 95-minute version to show theatrically overseas. Oh, I'm so sorry. So now I want to apologize because for all the bad that America has done for the world and my friends, it's a lot. The idea that somebody <clears throat> paid fucking, you know, a couple pounds or guilders or whatever to go see this movie paid money to sit in a the theater, buy their popcorn and watch this on a big screen. I, it, horror, Horrible.
1: I find, like, the origin story of this movie kind of deeply mm. fascinating because of its creation being in response to the popularity of The Wizard of Oz, but it being a mm. kind of an original work, and then it's spawning basically all fairy tale cross real life media.
3: Like, right. Mm-hmm.
1: We get, like, the, the Once Upon a Times from this, and uh, I'm pretty sure they ripped a bunch of this... For some of the Santa Claus movies, yeah, with Tim Allen, like the the mm. the real life soldiers oh, sure. come into life because, like, oh yeah. in like the original version, I'm pretty sure the Toy Master wants to militarize crap, and yeah. he gets killed by the soldiers. And there's another version where like Barnaby is a detective and
3: tries mm. to
1: trick people and take over. And there's so many other characters. Uh, the main characters for most of the versions are like two orphans.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Right.
2: I thought going into this that it was a two-hander between Keanu Reeves and Drew Barrymore because I didn't know (laughs) what the ages of anybody was. But uh, the one thing I remember is like, oh, this is like two kids who land in Toyland. And it's all like – now I don't – wait Corey. so in your research do you know what the original does anybody know what the fucking original plot of babes in
0: toyland is i couldn't be bothered to read it
1: <laughs> i read a, most of a synopsis but i also read like five different versions because there was like the 1903 version and there was a revival for stage in the 70s which was different but also the there was the laurel and hardy thing which involves a toy factory and there's the 60s disney one that involves a. Uh, Shrink Ray, like I said, but a lot mm, of them involve perfect. the the children being sold to uh, Romani people. And oh,
0: good. Oh, great. That's aged well. Uh,
1: in one of the versions, or maybe the original version, the problem is that children are too much into children's things, and they need to grow up.
2: Huh. Oh, what a great holiday lesson. <laughs> yeah. it's, it sounds like no matter
0: what. Babes in Toyland sucks ass.
1: It might seems It seems
0: possible. There's an animated version from like 2010, apparently. I'm not going to watch it. I'm never going to think about not. this again ever. I I think the th- I think the thrust of, and maybe made like even though I didn't think about it too hard. I think I think what I was like why I made us watch this is that it felt like it was sort of indicative of the kind of thing that was foisted on me during my childhood, and I just 100%. I just wanted. Wanted you all to know the kind of shit I had to grow put up with when I was young, uh, and you that know, it was not good. And same, same. And I think I, I mean, I think
2: all three of us we grew up in you know kind of like different times. Uh, mm. Anna and I are a little closer in age, but like, there's just it. There's just so much because people underestimate children's intelligence. There's just a lot of stupid, shitty stuff made for them, and yeah. and this is one of them. We're not mad at you, Anna, for bringing this oh, to I know. the table. We're not mad at you're wonderful and perfect and flawless and Merry Christmas, but Thanks. this movie
0: sucked. Oh, and also that also Chris Christmas. And I was like, well, here's a Christmas movie. You can watch. Yep. Uh, an ostensibly Christmas movie. I should say. Yes. yes. Oh gosh. Anyway, I'm kind of sorry. We did it. And, but who else are you? I'm Anna Wasserman and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at gold sarcasmium. I'm Josh A. Kagan. You can find me on Instagram at Josh A. Kagan.
1: And I'm Cryander Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Absalar. Thank you all for listening.
0: Bye. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. May you have the happiest podcast. The wonderful talking, overlapping shouting. The end. <laughs> Not sure all podcasts do the overlapping shouting part. <laughs> all
1: right. And now we are in the post show. Coming up. We watch Starstruck from 1982.